What's up, Sifters? We're here for Game Face episode 67, and it is our mission to make gaming great again. <laughs> we've got an amazing show for you guys tonight. We're going to have a really good time talking about, I think we got like 15 topics tonight. Among those, we are going to talk about Mass Effect Andromeda. We're going to talk about the snowboarding genre and try to figure out whether it's even worth pursuing anymore. Plus, we're going to go on a new VR odyssey with Robinson the Journey, and we're going to look at what is not right with Dishonored 2. We're also going to talk about a video game franchise that is back from the dead and the last guardian. Let's do it. So Matt, I have a confession to make. What? I don't think I can do VR, man. No? I, no, I don't think I can. Like physically you can't do VR? Yeah, I don't think I have the constitution for VR. Like, you know, when I was trying it at conventions and things like that and just trying it for... Five minutes here, ten minutes there, I was fine. But now that I've had PlayStation VR for several weeks, and more specifically playing this game, Robinson, the journey that we're going to talk about, and trying to play it for extended periods of time, I can't do it. I There's like a very definitive point, like right around like the 10 to 15 minute mark where I get so sick. Hmm. I mean sick. I like mean, there are some like Jaws are, Unleashed yeah. sick. Um I was playing it last night, and again, I got to that 15-minute mark, and I had literally thought I was going to barf. I started burping like mm. I was going to get sick, and uh, I took the helmet off and laid there on the couch for like an hour and never really started feeling any better and just went to bed. Last night was the earliest I've gone to bed <laughs> in months. Wow. I just couldn't do it, man. I felt like death, and it sucks. Like, I love it up until that point where I get sick, and I just don't know what I can do. It's like, I'm not going to take Dramamine to play a video game. Like, I just... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't... You don't have any that. problems with it at all. No. I mean, not like that. I mean, when I play... Um, when I play Robinson, like, I, I set it to smooth controls on Robinson, which is, like, basically... You know, it's like a first-person shooter. First-person shooter. Like, you're using both sticks to, to move. Like, you have to use the headset, your actual head, to look up and down, but in terms of... You know, turning and and back and forth and side to side movement. You're moving like a sh first person shooter. Uh, the other options are like pie. Like you move like a, you teleport like a pie chart around like I think eight directions. And then like there's another one that like it's, you know, it's like an old adventure game. It like like quick scrolls you for to from yeah. pie. I pie had that. I have it set, set up like that. And that um, I don't think that helps. No, actually. I found that disorienting. Yeah. I didn't make me sick, but I just found it annoying. So I just switched to smooth. Because what I'm, is the thinking behind that? I think this thinking is that if you're not showing your brain as much, the less like movement you're showing your brain that isn't being reflected by the movement of your body, the less likely you'll get sick. Um, like that's also why there's like the teleporting movement yeah. uh, stuff in like a lot of the room space games. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Like when I played the, the the first game I played that had actual first person shooter movement in VR was in uh, um, I think Spell Spellbook VR or something on the on the Vive. And the first I moved forward, like I pressed forward to move, and I almost fell over, like physically fell over, because like my brain was like, whoa, what was that? It was you know it was like being on a roller coaster kind of thing. And when I play um, Robinson, I do get uh, like a quick, quick moments of vertigo now and again, um, 
but it's not anything bad. And it, nothing has ever made me feel nauseous ever. Really? Um, the closest anything got was probably Drive Club VR, but that's just because there was like three well, specific everyone turns. Says that makes. Oh well, yeah, I mean, like, people call it the vomit comet, but like, yeah. there's three specific <laughs> turns in the demo of Drive Club that made me dizzy every single time. And I mean, I will. I'll, I'll just say, like, I don't get. Nauseous. See, I don't either. Anything. Like, I can ride ro- the craziest roller coasters in the world mm-hmm. all day. I don't get car sick. I I never got motion sickness in my life. Like, it is blowing my mind. And what I found is that when it happens is if I've been sitting still for an extended period of time and then I move. Mm-hmm. And literally that first step that I take in VR, like, my whole body feels like it's just flipping upside down. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it is, man, but I can't. I feel like I'm torturing myself, like, playing VR. It sucks, man. And to get kind of on topic here, like, I want to play this game. Mm -hmm. Robinson the Journey is, for me, you know, I haven't had Vive and Rift all this time. It's the first, like, real VR game that I've played. I'll be odd, someone who does have Vive, this is one of the first real games in VR I've run into as well. Really? Well, in terms of actually feeling like an actual game and not like a tech demo, like, yeah, this is, again, like I said before on the PlayStation VR stuff, like, the PlayStation VR is coming out with actual games that we would recognize as games that we might play even if it wasn't in VR, you know? And this is another example. Most of what I have on... Vive is early access stuff, and a lot of the stuff that is like a real game kind of thing are still in early access. Uh, uh, like the um, like raw data. Raw data will eventually be a great real game. Right now, it's got like two levels or something. Last right. time I played it, so it's like this being like a finished title that you can actually play from start to finish. Like I mean, it's, it's rough in places. There's, you know, animals run through walls, and like you know, it's not perfect, but it looks nice. It's you know, it's Cry Engine. It's pretty. Uh, it's got that promise of like dinosaurs up in your face. And, but it, like, I mean, it's an actual game. Yeah. It's like, and it, you're constantly scanning stuff for information, which for some reason apparently is the thing I like the most in video games. <laughs> so, judging by this year, I love scanning beetles. Like that's all I've been doing in this game. We should probably set up what this game's all about. So basically, you're on this ship mm. that crash lands on this planet. Crash land on an alien planet, and you're the only survivor, as far as you know. You're a young boy. Uh, with your helper floaty orb thing, which seems to be a, a real oh, constant in yeah. VR games, very uh, uh, re- 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 reminiscent of like a crankier version of Wheatley. From, oh, I mean uh, this this game Portal. is is Portal. In an, I mean it even has like a gravity like this is like a Valve mm. wannabe VR game. Yeah, but like the weird thing about it is like okay, so you're stranded on an alien planet. And there's dinosaurs everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> like, I get, like, they're kind of, like, the animals are all, like, you know, there's mice and dragonflies and beetles, and, like, it's all Earth animals, but, like, if you look at them in the little encyclopedia thing, they're not quite Earth animals. You know, like, the right. mouse is actually, like, kind of a mouse armadillo thing. Yeah. And, like, the T-Rexes actually have, you know, horns, and they look a little different. The snakes have tiny little legs, which makes me wonder why they're called snakes. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But it seems like basically they're 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 cataloging approximations. Yeah, they're cataloging these alien animals as equivalents of Earth Earth animals. But it's pretty convenient. Yeah, and that's a big part of this game too. Actually, is cataloging and scanning animals. Yeah, tons of scanning, and and I I like how they do they because you know most of the scanning you run into in games is like point your thing at the thing, press the button or hold the button, and it scans it. Yeah. In this one, like you have to run your view, kind of your view. Point over 
little green dots in the animal. Well, the, here's another thing we should mention: is the cursor is controlled by where you look. Yeah, it's all your, by viewpoint. That took me a while to get used to. It's, it's a different like, way to do things uh, compared, especially the way it controls, because like. This only looking at this footage, you might think that this game uses the motion controller, but it does not. No. At least not yet. It uses no it controller. Uses the normal uh, DualShock. Yeah. Uh, which is and super all you're using that for is to push push a button. Yeah, pushing buttons and move. You know, you move with the left stick and you turn with the right stick, but you look with the headset. Yeah. And then like, I mean, it's weird because. The character, as you can see, is holding a move controller. Pretty much exactly a move like, controller. But you do not use the move controller. You do not the use move the move controller. I would suspect that's going to be patched in later. Yeah. But it's super weird that you would design the game to have the character holding like a portal-y move controller and then not support the move controller. I mean, the game itself is pretty much a puzzle game. Yeah, it's some like of them an are adventure really, game. So, yeah, some, some of them are overt, where you literally have to like move objects and put mm -hmm. them together and stuff like that. Sometimes the puzzles are worked in so that like you have to climb up to a peak so you can get to a point to scan some of the bigger mm -hmm. dinosaurs. Um, you play then, as a young boy, and at the beginning you get like this pet dinosaur, basically. Mm -hmm. You see the little baby dinosaur hatch. Which comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I, that's, I mean, that's from that original demo they showed. Right, where it I is, the, yeah. The T-Rex, baby T-Rex hatches. Except the big T-Rex And then the big T-Rex comes. Yeah, and this one you just see it. <laughs> but, like, it gives you, like, this screen. It's like the, you know, tragedy happened with the ship. One boy survived in the landing craft. And then it just cuts to... You're next to You're with the egg, nest, yeah. and <laughs> it opens up, and the dinosaur comes out, and you feed her, and she, you say, I'm going to call her Laika. And then it cuts to three months later. Yeah. And you're sort of established in this base camp. And I didn't notice it until a sec, because I played it last night on PS4, and then I played it today up to about the same point on PS4 Pro to see what the difference would be, if there was any. And... The second time I picked up, because I noticed the cal, I didn't see the calendar before in the yeah. first playthrough. I picked it up, and like it's been clear that they've been on this planet a year. So between the little, you know, still picture of the boy survived thing and the finding of the egg, that's a gap of nine months. <laughs> and then three months, m more months pass uh, between finding the egg and when you start to play. And I'm like. That's a real rocky start, yeah, that's like tough. narratively speaking. <laughs> like that's a weird. I mean, it makes me wonder if there was a lot more like survival stuff early on that they decided was like too boring, or Could be. they didn't finish and decided to just jump to the dinosaurs, or like. I mean, it, it feels like they really throw you into. It, it almost feels like playing a demo at an event or like a trade show because yeah, like a there's bit. no setup at all for like oh, boom, you're in. Good work surviving for so long. I'm like, thanks, great. I'll say one thing: the footage that we showed, like when it first started, like when you first run into the first brontosaurus that's a pretty amazing moment yeah when you look up and you just see this gigantic freaking dinosaur mm. it's and it's like one again it's like that thing that the blue that i talked about with the the blue whales like when you see the footage on like you know 2d screen you're like oh fine you know cool it's a big thing no when you're there it's as big as it's supposed to be compared to you and your brain's like that's a large creature you know it's, I mean, even when you load up the Infopedia thing and it shows you the T-Rex, it pops the T-Rex up right in front of your face. Right. And the first time I did, I'm like, whoa, whoa. hey, <laughs> teeth. Um, but yeah, I mean, the spectacle is definitely there. I did, I do think it's a little clearer on the PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah. But I can't fully tell. Like, I, when I woke up in the pod at the beginning, I thought it was, like, the text on the walls and stuff was easier to read from just standing there looking around. Uh -huh. But I don't know if that was for real or if it was because I already knew what it said. 
from there's playing it before. There's all kinds of funky LOD going on in this yeah. game. And there's also like... If like you a, look up at the trees, you can see a very clear line where everything oh yeah. pops into detail. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of pop-in on the ground of like foliage. And there's also a weird like halo effect where like the outside third of the screen is clearly not... This, like there's it, like inside is like a little brighter and a little more detailed. Yeah, it's almost like right. it's like the LOD line you usually see on like a horizon in a video game is right is there. there on the like the one third angle of the screen. And when you yeah. take your gla- your your goggles off and look at it on the TV screen, it's not like that. Yeah, when you look at well, when, what you see, what you're seeing here is much clearer than what you oh, see yeah. in the goggles. It's like night and day. Like I took off the uh, the head mounted display and looked at the TV, and I was like, "Holy crap, this game looks amazing!" Yeah, when I'm not looking at it through the PlayStation VR helmet, but at the same time, it is the best looking PlayStation VR game by a pretty wide mm-hmm. margin. Yeah, it's, certainly in terms of like. Um, you know, realistic-looking games. I mean, you might like the art style of Thumper better or something, but yeah. in terms of, like, just visual fidelity of, like, a real-world realistic thing, I think that's for sure true. I mean, I, about, I mean, Batman looks pretty good, but Batman is much more limited. I've actually not played that yet. Batman looks good, but it looks more limited uh, because you can't move, right, really, right. you know? So what they're doing here is more impressive, even if Batman maybe has a little higher visual fidelity of, like, just what you're looking at. Yeah. Um... It also seems to be a pretty long game. I'm yeah. about three and a half, four hours into it. Yeah, and if you look at the at the collectible thing, like the list, you know, because there's all the collectible stuff is you know lock, lock, lock. Like there's a lot of them. Like yeah. there's you know there's you know there's you know, the communicator things and the and the orbs and there's like six orbs and like twelve communicators and I've only found like two of them and I'm yeah. just like well I guess there must be something to this. I don't know if I can finish it, man. Like I seriously think that uh, the motion sickness I'm getting from it, I don't know if I can do it. Well, that's unfortunate. It sucks. Like I'm real. Um, I'm wondering if I need glasses or something. Like I don't know. What's well, you would need on. contacts. You don't want yeah. to wear, wear glasses in these things. Yeah, trust I guess me. not. That's but, why I'm uh, not wearing my glasses. You can tell if I played VR on a Thursday because I'm not wearing my glasses on the show. But it would really suck if, like, there's this new frontier of gaming that I am unable to participate in. Mm. Like, it really has me scared. My get, I mean, I feel like, yeah, there's probably a percentage of the population that is just never going to be able to adjust. Um, I feel like, you, you know, maybe you just need to... I don't know. Like, I, I, I can't tell you... I can't give you, like, solid advice because I, it doesn't happen to me. But I don't... You know, I've probably thrown up like five times in my life. You know, wow. it, just, it just doesn't happen. You don't drink me. enough then. Oh, that's the, those are the only times I've done it. Like, I, I had some bad flus as a kid, and then like I think three three times I've thrown up from being too drunk, yeah. and uh, that's it. Like that's and that's more of a toxic reaction than than anything. Yeah, else. I can't remember the last time I got sick from drinking. It's probably like fifteen years ago. Maybe. Oh, there were a couple G four parties. Oh, really? You got sick. <laughs> yeah. I think my tolerance is at a place now. Where I think I just know myself, and I know mm. when I get to that line where I'm like, yeah, I, it, I shouldn't have It was one. usually the thing where I would drink. I would be drinking while everybody's, yeah, I drink, yeah, cool. And then, like, the party would kind of break up. And, and then like, you're like, go oh, home. my God. You go home, and, like, you're just like, oh, everything's really moving. Yeah, like, <laughs> Thank God for yeah. Uber. <laughs> well, this, the, no, these were, usually because, these were usually after the parties at Busby's down the street All right. from G4. Because yeah. that was near my apartment, so I would just walk home. All right. And, like, and of course, when, you're, when you know you're walking home, it's just like, I can drink however much I want. Right. You know? And, like, yeah. so I would just ruin myself yeah. doing that. We've all been there. We've all done it. Um, and that's a lot more fun than getting sick in VR, really. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Or at least the fun part lasts longer. Yeah. Not like 15 minutes of walking in the, with dinosaurs and then it's like, oh. <laughs> so, I don't know if you know or not, but in Europe, this game is full price. Yeah, I saw that. In, That's ridiculous. In the U.S., it's $40. Mm-hmm. 
Which, and I got it on Amazon Prime for 30 Which so. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Where, I don't know why that is. Like, that's a weird... I mean, is, is it all Europe, or is it just UK? I don't know. That's a good question, Because that could be a Brexit thing. It might be, actually. That's but, actually uh, a good point. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, though. Maybe someone in the chat from Europe knows. If, but I, uh, I definitely saw that being talked about, and I was surprised, because that's... I mean, you, I mean, yeah, sometimes we get some discrepancy, but there's no way this is a full-price game. No way. No. And that was what 40, I was getting at. That's what yeah. I was going to ask you. Do you think it's worth the full no. price? No, no, no. I mean, 40 bucks is pretty good. If you have Amazon Prime, get it for 30 Like, I feel I feel pretty good about getting it for 30 Yeah. Um, but, like... No, sixty bucks for this is not remotely. I would never pay sixty dollars no. for this game. I mean, I wouldn't pay anything for it now because it makes me sick. Well, but. yeah, but like, <laughs> but it's just like it's not. I mean, it's cool. It's a night. It's a it's a more of a real game to play on VR than a lot of other games you can have. Particularly the ones that are usually the dinosaur stuff on VR. So far, it's just like look at the dinosaur. That's it. Bye. You know, <laughs> like that's it. Like you don't get anything out of it. But like. This one has a lot more meat to it in, in terms of just, you know, a world that they put you in that you can watch these things move around. Like, um, I think in some ways, like, this, what, the experience of this is, a, is more like what people were expecting or hoping for from No Man's Sky. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, yeah. a, a world that feels like it's alive and has, has, you know, a biosphere and, you know, animals that are clearly preying on one another. And, like, you know, you see, like, these little things live in holes, you know, little gopher holes and, like... Like oh look at the thing runs into the hole oh, that's cool and then like I was looking at a butterfly over by the by the river and one of the things in the gopher holes jumps out and grabs it and jumps yeah. back in the hole I'm like whoa okay like there's an actual ecosystem happening here and it's, well it's, it's also cool. crazy too how in VR things that are mundane in other games are like mind bending yeah. <laughs> like just a butterfly flying by mm-hmm. you're like holy crap and you like start running after the butterfly like, there's things in normal games that you don't even notice anymore that in VR are fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, like, or even just like seeing like a lizard on a, on a, on like a tree, yeah. and the fact that you can kind of lean around the side of it and yeah. look at this. Yeah, yeah, or at like there was one point where I was like near this terminal, and there was a big insect that ran down the terminal. I did exactly what you're talking about. I like turned my head to the side so I could see the side profile of the insect hmm. as it ran. It's just crazy how much that perspective shift changes mm-hmm. everything. I just wish it didn't make me want to barf. <laughs> It'd be great. That would be nice. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that has me pissed off. Something else that has me pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you know or not, but this was the... Th- and you may not know, know. This is the 30th anniversary of Metroid. Mm-hmm. And you think back to what Nintendo has done for all its other franchises. Zelda's 25th. They did the or- orchestral mm-hmm. concerts all around the country. And but don't forget that Zel- you know, Zelda's anniversaries are the same as Metroid's. And when Zelda had his 25th anniversary, that's when they had that, that fan art of, like, in the background, there's all, everybody celebrating Zelda, right. and up front, it's just, like, Samus and a one Metroid is giving her a little cupcake right, with a candle right, on yeah. it. It's just like, yeah, no one cares about Metroid when it's time to celebrate Zelda. But we care. We do care, care. about Metroid. Metroid is probably my second favorite Nintendo franchise after Zelda. And Nintendo has done nothing nope. for this. Nothing Nintendo at all. Nintendo has done nothing for Metroid for yeah. a very long time. It's insane. I, Not uh, just anniversary-wise. Don't give me that Federation Force was a bone thrown to me right. bullshit, because it's not. And Other M was terrible. So the last good Metroid game that I played was Metroid Prime 3. Yeah. Um, and that was how many years ago? Eight? Nine? Has it been that long? What was that, 2007, 2008? Yeah. 2000. It wasn't too long into the Wii's lifespan. Yeah, I guess it was 2007, I think it was, yeah. So, wow. Been a long <laughs> time. Holy cow. That's pretty crazy to think about. But what made me think of this topic today is that I got an email from Nintendo today saying, 
This is the capper of our Metroid 30th anniversary <laughs> celebration. And it was like a theme. What is it? It was like a theme for the 3DS. Ugh. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? This is your big overture? Your theme for the, how about a game for the 3DS? But they did nothing for this franchise at all. Nope. For the 30th anniversary. Well, they haven't done anything. I mean, it's not as bad as being an F-Zero fan, which hasn't had a game since the GameCube. Um, and that GameCube was, game was great. But, I mean, um, I, you we, could, we you went could, to the launch of that I together. Know. I remember that. We, we came out of like, that's the music for Mute City. It's amazing. And like, that's the last great moment of F-Zero. Yeah. I actually, like, my hockey bag, like what I keep all my gear in is an F-Zero GX yeah, I remember bag. Yeah, that, yeah. And I, uh, I took it to, like, people come and go from our hockey game. People will show up for a few weeks and never come again. And, and like, one guy showed up to our game one day, and he was like, holy shit, where did you get that bag? And I was like, oh, I've been in games for like 20 years or whatever. I'm like, they gave it to me at some point when it came out. And he was, he just was going off about F-Zero GX. And the crazy part about F-Zero GX is if you actually stuck with it, you could possibly still be playing that game today yeah. and not completed it. It's one of the, oh, hardest, hard. it's one yeah. of the hardest games I've ever played in my life. Like, the story mode in that game was just ridiculous. Yeah. Holy cow. It was so good. It was so good. It felt, it felt so good. 60 so, frames per second. I, only, I, only bring, I always bring up F-Zero when, when I complain about Metroid because I recognize that there are fans of Nintendo franchise that have it worse yeah. than, than we Metroid <laughs> fans. But uh, Metroid also has more of a pedigree. Yeah. And has been neglected in certain ways more. Like, they're not going to celebrate the anniversary of F-Zero. That's probably just not, not going to happen. I mean, maybe you'll get, like, a Falcon Punch tweet right. or something. That's about <laughs> A that's tweet. About that's it. all you can yeah. ask for. <laughs> just a reminder that they remember they own it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'd like, actually be surprised with a tweet at this point. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I'm... I mean, like, I guess I wish I could say it surprises me that Nintendo continues to neglect uh, Metroid. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know if there's, like, some kind of resentment over the fact that they, you know, the Western company had to, like, bring it into the modern age, and then they tried to make, you know, the Team Ninja version did, was not well-received, so they just sort of back, you know, like Nintendo does. Like, if something's not well-received, they sort of back off of it forever, yeah. rather than trying to figure out why it went wrong, Star Fox. And the whole thing is really, you know, and, I'm, and meanwhile, you're like, why, you know, especially when that Metroid... Uh, Two fan remake came out earlier this year, which, by the way, is the best celebration of the 30th anniversary. It is. You're right. Available. That's a good right point. Now. That is the best way to celebrate yeah. the 30th anniversary because Nintendo couldn't be. Nintendo's not going to do it. And it's like it just it just drives home again. It's like why didn't you just like send the 3DS off with a great 2D Metroid game? Yeah. And I've actually seen people say like, you know, oh, 2D Metroid is like old old hat, and they've done everything they could do. We don't need another 3D Metroid. And I'm like, another 2D, 2D Metroid. And I'm like. There have been four 2D yeah. Metroids in 30 years. <laughs> yeah. one, one, I mean, fifth, five if you count the, uh, exactly the, the remake. exactly saturated, yeah. And three of those four were made before I was out of high school. Yeah. So don't tell me there's nothing else they can do with that form of Metroid. They've got a lot of room to I mean, to play look, with. there's indie Metroidvanias coming out, like, yeah. every freaking week. Like, you could do a lot with it. I mean, hell, the, the Metroid 2 remake does a lot with it. It does, yeah. Matt, what is your favorite Metroid of all time? Um... I and we're by by golly, we're celebrating the 30th oh, yeah. anniversary. Let's let's give a a fist bump for Boom. Metroid. <laughs> Big ups to the Samus Massive. Yeah. Um, I really like Zero Mission and Prime One, but I gotta go with Super Metroid. Super Metroid just just solidified that subgenre in a way that everything that came after it still draws. It's from. still being imitated. Yeah. 
It's tough for me, because I think at one point in my life, I think I called Super Metroid my favorite game of all time. Um, that I think was, Super Metroid would probably make my top ten of all time. That was a long time ago. Um, and then I played Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime is amazing. I don't know. It's a tough call. It's well, to me, it's like choosing between A Link to the Past and Zelda, Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I love both of them. Maybe I like Ocarina better, but I think maybe I just like Ocarina better because it realized what Link to the Past did, but in 3D. But like Link yeah. to the Past with the originals, so like it's like you can't like it's it's they give you the same thing, but in such a different way. It's hard to say you would want one over the other. I, but I I, think I just come down on the Super Metroid side because like I was you know I was like 16 and it was like it just blew my mind. I think honestly, I think it's Metroid Prime for me because. Look, there are tons of side-scrolling games Mm -hmm. when Metroid came out. In fact, every game was pretty much a side-scrolling game when Super Metroid came out. But Metroid Prime, when it came out, there had been tons of shooters Mm -hmm. and tons of 3D games at that point. But no game played, had ever played the way that that game played. And And it was like so much... I mean, I think we all had so much skepticism about it. Oh, yeah. Like, you're doing what with Metroid? You're going to make it like, like a first person shooter? You're going to make it Halo? Like, everyone, you know. Oh, yeah. It was and then scandalous. You got your, you got Retro your hands Studios was in like oh, a yeah. scandal over it. Oh, yeah. But then you got your hands on it, you're like, oh, you know, somehow they translated it properly. I mean, look, there's all these franchises from the 2D days that get brought over into 3D, and almost all of them suck. This was the first really game to bring a 2D property into 3D and nail everything about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Super Mario 64 obviously nailed a lot about the 2D side-scrolling Marios. But this game nailed everything. Like, the atmosphere. Like, this is one of the first games that I've ever felt isolated in. Where I just felt, like, claustrophobic and, like, just everything about it. It's just a work of art, man. Like, mm-hmm. you can just tell that whoever made this one love Metroid, two, totally got what Metroid was all about and what made it great, and three, were really, really good at what they do. Yeah. I and mean, also, like, if you have the ability to, like, because I uh, pulled a lot of my uh, my old GameCube discs to play on uh, Dolphin, and if you play, this game in Dolphin could have been made a couple years ago. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable Dolphin's how good, amazing how good anyway. this thing I mean, looks. Dolphin is just an incredible emulator. And, like, just the little touches, like, the way, uh, you know, even, I mean, at the back, of the, back in the day, I mean, everybody was always, the big thing was, like, when you, you, know, you blew something up, you shot like, your, big, your big blast, you could see the reflection of Samus' face. face in the yeah. visor. All those little like, touches, man. The condensation that builds yeah. up and, like, yeah. Just, just great, great work. And, you know, and again, one of those games that has, like, kind of the backstory of, of you know, Miyamoto would come over and say everything was wrong, and they had to start over like twice. And right. it's like you know, it was that Nintendo commitment to like you know until it's good. That I don't know where that went, but yeah. like, or, or at least like I don't know where that went for the stuff that you know, like Wii Music. I feel did not go through that <laughs> yeah. pr- process. That process yeah. um, but like Metroid Prime came out of that. Just you know, it was it was like uh, it was almost like uh, Goldeneye, where you played Goldeneye. You're like, why is this so good? Like I didn't. I remember getting Goldeneye. I mean, the music in Prime oh, yeah. is amazing. Everything. I just about remember it. getting. It's this, Metroid Prime was the, the same as like getting design. Goldeneye home, putting it in, and you're like, wait a minute. Like yeah. you, you just, I just wasn't ready for how good Prime was going to be. And I do remember like. Remember had like the crazy like lock on aiming, yeah. so it didn't let you free aim. And at first, I was like, oh, this is a terrible decision. And then what, then I got it because. Yeah. They had built the whole game around that mechanic. And if they had just given you free look and aim, you wouldn't have been able to complete it. Mm-hmm. And so it, you could just see all the pieces just falling into place with this game. And I still don't think that I've ever played a game as atmospheric as this one. That mm-hmm. just totally just sunk you into this world. It made you feel like it was you 
against the world. It's definitely the yardstick. I had, I think uh, I was reminded of Metroid Prime a fair amount when I played Alien Isolation. I don't think Alien Isolation is as good yeah. as Metroid Prime, but like I feel you know Metroid took a lot of uh, inspiration from the Alien franchise to begin with, and I think Alien Isolation sort of returned that favor. And uh, Alien Isolation is at its best when it's doing a competent Metroid impression. Yeah. Um, although you, there's less shooting, but yeah. like, uh, I mean, and that's the other thing about Metroid Prime is like, there's really not a lot like it. Like, if you if you're a fan of that series, there's not really something to replace it with. Well, the crazy now. thing was when this when Metroid Prime came out, I was working at GameSpot, and just to be completely candid, when I worked at GameSpot, like, pretty much the whole staff didn't like Nintendo. Like, it had just come off like the N64. I got there. Just as the N64 was kind of ending, mm-hmm. I think the first, or one of the first games I reviewed for GameSpot was Banjo-Tooie. And that came, like, right at the end of its life cycle. And then we transitioned into the GameCube era. And I think just a lot of the editors there had been burned by the N64. And just really, like, most of the people there did not like Nintendo. And I was coming from the site that I was running through college, which was an N64 and Dreamcast site. Because I mm-hmm. wanted to be, like, the future of games and... <laughs> Focus on the platforms. You ended up as the underdog of games. Yeah, I did, yeah. And I wanted to focus on like what I thought was like the most technologically advanced platforms. Mm. And the other problem, too, is that there was just so much stuff coming out for the PlayStation that I just I didn't have the time or the resources to do it. So it was perfect. Like, the N64 put out a game like a month. Dreamcast, like, the launch obviously was pretty good, but it, it kind mm. of fell into that same pattern. So I was able to keep up with it. So... I go to GameSpot, and they've all been playing PlayStation 1. Like, they were just right. huge PlayStation 1 fans. And uh, I remember I went in there, and I was like, man, everybody here hates Nintendo. I'm like, this is really weird. <laughs> and uh, then I remember Greg Kasavin came in from his first night of playing Metroid Prime, and he was just freaking out. And I was like, dude, that game must be really freaking good, because... Like, they slagged everything. Like, mm-hmm. even really good games fr- from Nintendo, like, they'd be like, I don't even care. And they just throw it at me. They're like, here you go. You can play it. I don't even want to play it. And I would be like, what? You don't want to play Eternal Darkness? Like, are you crazy? Eternal Darkness is great. But I remember when he came back, and he was just, he came into, like, the bullpen where all the editors were, and he just started going off about the game. And I was like, man, if he's, because he was a big mm-hmm. PC gamer, too. Like, Greg had come kind of from the PC space and didn't play a lot of console stuff. And as soon as I heard Greg Kasavin going off about it, I was like, oh my god, this game must be just mind-blowing. And it was. I think he, I think he gave it a perfect score. I think that was... It might have been. I think it was like at the time maybe GameSpot's second ever perfect score. I think even now they only have like 10 or something like that. Like they don't hand out the 10. They hand them out yeah. a lot more now than they used to. But. Yeah. I mean, there have been a couple questionable ones, as I recall. But uh, back then it was a rarity. Yeah. Well, I remember Jeff gave Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3... A perfect 10, hmm. um, which I actually can kind of understand. I like 1 and 2 better than 3. I, don't, I, I, remember, I remember, and funny, because I associate 3 with the GameCube, because I got it at launch with the GameCube. Uh, Midnight launch with the GameCube, and I got it home like, eh. Well, I, just three, went, I went back to Rogue Leader very yeah, quickly. Yeah, see, 3, you know, is the first one that kind of uh, really it created the trick system that was going to be used forever. Mm-hmm. Because it allowed you to link tricks in between objects by using reverse and manuals. Right. And so it completely changed how you play the game. And it was a lot more open mm. and a lot more alive. And I just so, liked the way you played the game already. So that, it was like, like an arcade that, game at and first. I felt, but I also felt like uh, that, including the revert you know, stuff, 
also meant they no longer had to design the levels as carefully with all the lines you could find and all that stuff. Yeah. It, it, like, basically, it put the, the onus on, on sort of designing the level on the player more than the level of, you know, the, the levels in one and two are just such sublime works of art, yeah. basically. And when you remove the need, you know, when the, when what the player can do becomes like, like freeform like that, you sort of just scatter the tools around for them to use. And like, it's not as compact. And I get why people think, thought that was like a, a step up, but I always, that removed one of the things I loved the most about that series. So that was kind of the end of Tony Hawk for me. I sat next to Ryan Davis, which was awesome because he was just like the fun, I hate to talk about him in past tense, but he was just the funniest person ever. So I just sat there next to him and he just cracked jokes all day. And then Jeff had an office like behind us and then he and Jeff would go back and forth. And Jeff is Jeff Gerstmann's really freaking funny too. So I just sat there just like entertained like all day every day. Back before Jeff just was angry on podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> and then Tony Hawk 3 came out and like Ryan at that point wasn't even an editor. He was the guy who would update all the images on the site. He would come up with the poll of the day every day that was posted on the page, but he was just like a a web guy basically. But so he had a, like a lot of downtime and so he would just play Tony Hawk 3 and he he would set up the soundtrack so it would only play one song. And so I'd have to sit there and listen to the one song. And he knew it drove me crazy. So I used to do that on Tony Hawk. Well, I, would, I would make it so I'd just play Police Truck over and over Well, again. that's a great song. The song that he chose was the Del the Funko ha- Funky Homo Sapiens song that goes, You better wash yeah. your ass. <laughs> he would just play it over and over. And I'd get so mad. And he like, it would get to the point where it would like be all quiet and that song would kick in and I'd be like, Ryan! And he would just roll. Roll laughing, dude. Like, good times, man. It was really good times. But uh, back on topic anyway. Uh, it's a shame what Nintendo's done with Metroid here. It yep. definitely deserved better. Uh, it would have been great even if they could have just announced, like, hey, we're working on a Metroid for Switch. Well, they haven't announced anything in terms of that for Switch, so maybe in, maybe in January. But how perfect would it have been if when they debuted the Switch for the first time, instead of showing the, the new 3D Mario game, they show a new Metroid game? Yeah, but I think you're asking a lot. I mean, Retro, how long has it been since Retro put out a game? A while. It's not all that, I'm not saying they're working on Metroid, but it's not all that far-fetched to think that Retro could have a game available at launch. Yeah. I mean... Maybe. Tropical Freeze, that came out what? That was a while ago. Two and a half years ago? Yeah. That could be a bombshell, dude. If Retro has a game ready at launch for... Mm. Well, I don't so think that Mario game is going to be ready at launch, so... I don't know. Rumors are starting to swirl that it is. Think about the fact that Super Mario 3D World came out two years ago. Yeah. That team has been sitting around. I mean, they're not sitting around. They're working, so... I don't know. I mean, that would be a big launch, but that also means there's going to be a big drought. Hey, when you have three games that awesome to play out of the gate, like... Yeah, but people are going to forget after a year. I don't know, they're just man. Gonna, they're going to be like, well, I, I had, got this Zelda game and I got this Mario game, but now when, you know, you got to wait two plus... Probably three years for another Zelda. At least yeah. two plus years oh, for another Mario. I don't think you'll get a second Zelda on Switch. Here's the well, yeah, maybe. Uh, the thing is, um, uh, I mean, we got two Zelda games on the Wii. Yeah, it might happen. Yeah, assuming uh, if, assuming the Switch doesn't crash and burn the way the Wii U did, I think we, you know, we we were, you know, like obviously the timing didn't work out right for two game two two Zeldas, but it's kind of an every other thing, you know. You yeah, get, you know, you get one GameCube. You know Zelda, and then you got the the dual Wii GameCube one at the end of the GameCube's life, uh, which was the better one. 
and uh, <laughs> and then kind of you got Skyward Sword at the end of the Wii, yeah. and then uh, you know, the Wii U didn't have anything at the beginning, but it got a lot of HD remasters. So like, it was just like a bad timing for the Zelda development, I guess. Yeah. For the Wii U, but like I, I wouldn't, you know, if a Zelda game hits at launch, I feel kind of okay saying we'll probably get a second one on that same system. It's possible. Um, Again, if it doesn't tank like the Wii U did. Right. And even if it does, you're, you know, if let's say Zelda came out at launch for the Wii U, we would still probably be getting Breath of the Wild now too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's Breath of the Wild seems like it's gone through a lot of iteration. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would be surprised to see Metroid come back for the Switch launch. That's for sure. Take a guess. When do you think the next Me- we'll play the next Metroid game? The next proper Metroid game, not like the handheld thing we just got. Twenty nineteen. 2020. Maybe. I don't think Retro is going to make I don't think that's Metroid. what they're making now. Yeah. yeah. And so if you have to find some other studio to make a Metroid... And what do you even make? Do you, you, look, I would want it to be like the most gorgeous 2D game ever made, frankly. You know, I would, I would, you, or even if you just make it, like, make it, make it Owlboy style, yeah. and I will play the shit out of that. Imagine a really gorgeous side-scrolling Metroid game yeah. for Switch. Yeah. yeah. Give me like a side-scrolling Metroid game that looks good as like Pikmin. And that would be amazing. Done. Done. Like, whatever you want. <laughs> I'll buy the system for that. If I wasn't already, probably going to buy the system for Zelda. Yeah. Well, look, Nintendo wouldn't celebrate it, but we did. So, yeah. happy anniversary, Metroid and Samus. I'm, I will gladly go back and play the old 2Ds again before the year is out. All right, so let's move on. Um, so, it's poking around, looking at sales figures, and... Found an article that uh, updated the hardware sales chart for the Xbox One in Japan. You already looked at the sheet. I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you to guess how many you thought. Well, Xbox... You sent me the rundown. I know uh, that's that's right. I forgot. I put the figure in the rundown. My apologies. Seventy thousand Xbox Ones have been sold in Japan. Not tops. total. <laughs> total. <laughs> Not in the last year since the thing launched in Japan, 70,000. Matt, why are they still in that territory? I don't know. You, it doesn't make any they sense feel like to you at you all? Because they feel like you gotta somehow? Like, why? Because that's where like, gaming, you know, there's still that perception that that's where gaming comes from. I look. Even though it started in Cupertino? Xbox 360, I get it because they had that big initiative where they had right. worked with all these partners in Japan. There's all these JRPGs, mm-hmm. not all these, but a few JRPGs like Blue Dragon uh, that they had commissioned to get mm-hmm. to the hopefully Miss get stuff. Yeah, yeah, to get like the Japanese on board with the console. This time they didn't even try. I don't even know. There's no Japanese exclusives for Xbox One. I mean, scale bound eventually. But if it ever comes out, I'm really starting to wonder. Yeah. I mean, that's the only one I can think of, though. Yeah, this I mean, is something buried in Xbox like Live Online only that I don't remember. But I just can't fathom why. And look, they have a whole team of people in Japan. I mean, they have Xbox of Japan with a building full of people who are working on this. <laughs> I don't know if I've I can think of a branch of a platform holder that has been a bigger failure than Xbox Japan. Mm-hmm. Think about that. 70,000 consoles. I don't know. I, I just was completely blown away by that figure. I mean, I don't know what the Xbox 360 ended up doing in Japan. I mean, we're looking at this video. Here's like half of the install base of the Xbox <laughs> One in Japan. It's like... Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, 
Do you give up? Yes, you give up. There's no reason to be there whatsoever. I mean, if their if their relationship in Japan got them scale bound and nothing else, it's not worth it. Still not really worth it. No, I mean, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. I just I'm you know Microsoft is generally a really smart company. That I mean, okay, it has blown some money here and there, but generally it cuts its losses. Like it's not it's not so prideful that when it gets to the point where it's obviously not working, it won't cut its losses and get rid of something and. For whatever reason, it's decided to persist with Japan, and I have no re no no idea why. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe you don't want to let down those few fans you have over there. But as a Sega fan, I remember what that was like. Yeah. Um. I mean, maybe it doesn't really cost them anything to be there. And you know, is it is it not a loss to them in the end if they if they plan for that kind of level of sales? I don't know. I mean, the crazy thing too is when you go to Japan, it's not like the Xbox is like shoved over in the corner like no, the, they're there. They're like the GameCube right used to be. Yeah. I mean, in the GameCube era, you go to Japan and like you would find an end cap with mm -hmm. GameCube stuff, and that was it. Like yeah, it'd, it'd it had. Like it's, on the, it's no in an end cap, like upstairs next to the porn section. Yeah, or something. like it yeah. had no visibility whatsoever. But I would go there and like Xbox 360 would have a section almost as big as PlayStation mm -hmm. 3. And Xbox One at its launch also had plenty of retail space, plenty of floor space, shelf space. Which had to be purchased for... You I'm know, sure. Because there there's no way it was worth the store's own time to put that much shelf space towards it. It just seems like to me Microsoft is blowing co copious amounts of money... Mm -hmm. on something that's never worked and is never going to work. I mean, And Sony's having enough trouble as it is. Right, I mean, know, even Sony is thing. having problems. It's like, maybe that's why Microsoft sticks with it. Maybe they feel emboldened by the fact that PlayStation 4 is not doing all that much better. Yeah, but like, it's not because of which console is better. It's because of like, mobile is king there. Yeah. And, you know, to a, to a degree, you know, mobile's big here too. makes tons of money, but it's not like to the exclusion of other games. And I think it seems like it really is that over there, unless oh, yeah. you're Monster Hunter. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think they... I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I wonder how much they would lose in terms of, like, you know, business... You know, they've already got a presence over there because Windows machines are a thing in yeah. Japan anyway. It may just simply not be that big a deal to them to have a minor Xbox One presence there. You know, like... Like as long as they've got their you know Japan headquarters there, you might as well distribute your your system. Xbox One S is launching there. Yeah, <laughs> clearly they they see it's some insane. they see something there. I mean, do they think the the One S is going to turn the tide? Like no, I think it, it's just like maybe it's just better to have a tiny sort of inconsequential presence there rather than explain why you decided to leave. I don't think they'd have to explain why they left. I don't think anybody would be like, why did they do that? It, I think it must, it's probably for some kind of business relationship thing. Like, that's, that's my only, like, assumption I can make is that, like, you know, it, that they still want Japanese development content on there in some way or in some level or maybe more as they go forward. And it's harder to get, you know, Japanese developers to make something for a system that isn't, isn't in their country. So maybe that's the plan is, like, not you know obviously they're not going to completely refocus on having Japanese content on their system, but you know they don't want to lose it completely, and they might lose it completely if you know Japanese developers can't see their own games on the shelves and they're, you know in the store next to their house. That's the only thing I can, that's my only theory, and I have no proof of that or real evidence to think so. But like that would be my only thing would be like it's hard to get people to work really hard on something that isn't in their country unless like you know you're. 
exploiting workers in China or something, I guess. You know. I just realized something I don't know the answer to. Where is Dead Rising 4 being developed? Is that Japan or the U.S.? Uh, I don't know. I would guess Japan. That's Capcom. So yeah. I think it's one of their Japanese studios. I mean, Capcom has commissioned Western developers. Yeah, but I, I haven't heard anything about a Western studio doing Dead Rising 4, and I feel like Dead Rising is traditionally uh, a Japanese development. Because like, yeah. a lot of times, like, you know, it, it, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some caricatures in that series that probably wouldn't make it have rare. made it in a Western developed yeah. game. So I mean, look, that, that is an exclusive that Microsoft has. Yeah. I don't know if that that's probably not the result of being no but, <laughs> in Japan. I mean, they but, have a long relationship with that series. Uh, you know, Dead Rising Three was a launch title. Yeah, uh, not one I particularly liked very Me much. Either. But like it, it was. I mean, it was still an exclusive for a while until it went to PC, and clearly Microsoft yeah. didn't care if something goes to PC. Um, you know, maybe maybe that like tiny little effort of keeping the Xbox existent in Japan is worth it to maintain the relationships with those developers. That's the only thing I could think. I clearly, there. I, I can't imagine even the most optimistic Microsoft executive thinks is like it's gonna be this month. You know, like the, that we break through the elusive hundred thousand barrier. What <laughs> if they'll throw a party when they crack <laughs> when they crack one hundred k? I just picture some like lone Xbox exec like like seeing the hundred k thing come through in the email and just pulling out one of those one of those like little little horn things, <laughs> like, throwing it in the garbage. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it'll just have to remain a mystery. I'm looking in chat here. I don't see anybody coming up with any ideas either. So, oh, they're saying Capcom Vancouver is doing. Oh. Uh, so it is done so in the it? West then. I actually kind of thought. I think that's why I had that question in my mm. mind. So, yeah, I don't know. All right, let's move on. So, more discouraging news that I got today. Not that I was all bent out of shape over the Xbox One only selling 70,000 units in Japan, but I was discouraged by this wholeheartedly. Uh, GameSpot got a chance to go check out The Last Guardian again. Mm. And it, when it sat down for the demo, they were told by Sony that this is pretty far into the game. And, uh, you, know, you know, be patient, because we know you've played this before at E3, but there may be some stuff in here you're not clear on, just ask us and we'll help you and get you through it, you know, basically saying like, don't get discouraged and go say this mm. game sucks. <laughs> like, you know, you know how to read between the lines when you oh, work yeah. in the press long enough. And, uh, like so, we're about to throw you into, into a section of the game where you've, you know, if you normally played it, you would have been taught how to do a bunch of shit. Right. And you have not been taught. Right. So you're gonna, the game's gonna expect you to know some things you don't know. That's the exact yeah. spiel that they gave GameSpot. So, they're getting, they go into play and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're gonna, this is gonna be like mind-blowing. We're gonna see all this stuff we've never seen before. And it was no different mm-hmm. than the beginning of the game that everyone played at E3. It's just the eco-style puzzles with the, the cat bird. No new mechanics. They said they had no problem playing it. Hmm. That they just jumped right in and went after it. And so there's two things here. One, there's two, two options, basically. One, the game never changes. And you just are doing just, the same thing throughout. Just like war. Yeah. <laughs> or two, the game is really freaking short. Mm-hmm. Which do you think is more likely? I think it's both. Really? Yes. <laughs> I think this thing's like four hours long and we've seen everything it has to show us. Four hours, you think? I think it's short. I think it's four to five hours. I don't know if I could think of anything more devastating in video games because something devastating happened this week that was far more devastating than a video mm-hmm. game could ever be. 
But I don't think I can think of anything more devastating in video games than if The Last Guardian were only four hours long. Yeah. I mean, Matt, think about how long this game has been in development. Mm-hmm. It, I think they've just been starting over a lot. I don't think it's been a constant development on one game. I think they've probably started this thing over two or three times. Really? And I think, Yeah. I mean, I don't have any evidence of this. I'm not giving you some kind of sidelong insider information. But, like, if I sit down to play this game and it's basically eco with a giant monster next to me for four hours, I am, not, I am going to be disappointed, but I'm not going to be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised by anything with this game at this point. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it's terrible. I mean, I, ho- I hope I'm wrong and, like, it turns out to be, like, a full 12-hour odyssey, which, like, eventually you leave this castle area and you're out in open areas like Shadow of the Colossus and you have to coach the cat bird to fight other giant monsters in, like, a Godzilla battle kind of thing and, like... The, the cat bird grows and becomes like a full griffin, and like you, I mean, I hope things get amazing and awesome, but I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I think the whole game is escaping from these ruins, and that's going to take. Get out, that's it's it. going to be like Eco. Eco's about that length. It is. It's the yeah. same. I think it's the same premise essentially, except they've added in a giant monster because that was in Shadow of the Colossus. Like I don't. I just don't feel like there's anything more to this and I don't know if there were I feel like they would have shown it by now and the, one, the only thing that keeps hope alive for me in that regard is e- Team Eco is weird and private enough that I could see them holding some big surprises back but that's also possibly just wishful thinking like I am super ready for, I hope not I mean I have the super collector's statue edition ordered I you know Shadow of Colossus is my favorite game of all time no bar none period I have played it seven or eight times full wow. straight through to completion I'm not when I mean to completion I mean 100%. I deleted I mean I deleted the save started over on normal did all the time attack stuff played it on hard did all the hard time attack stuff like I play that game to death every single time I love it and like I want to think the best of this game and I just feel like it's not going to be that and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm just like pessimistic for no good reason because it's been so long. But at this point, it's a it's a horse race between this game and Final Fantasy 15 to be the most disappointing <laughs> decade-long developed thing coming out no, this no, no. year. No matter how bad Final Fantasy is, it could never be more disappointing than if The Last Guardian were bad. Maybe to for us, me personally, to us, yes. To certain other people that I've encountered, talked to, and seen. Uh, there's a lot riding on Final Fantasy XV for some of these folks, and I, I think they are going to be heartbroken. But I hope again that I'm wrong. I, you know, there's for some people, Final Fantasy is their Shadow of the Colossus. But for, I mean, uh, it's uh, like, it is for did me, they and play the last few Final Fantasy games? Yeah, but like... that's the thing is, like, you always have the hope that it's going to turn it around. You know, like maybe even if, even if you didn't like Final Fantasy, changes so much, you know, game to game that there's always the hope that the next one's going to reinvent it and get it right. And Team Eco does the same thing. Everything's a little, you know, each game has been different. They're not, they're not making the same thing over and over again, uh, outside of a certain aesthetic style. But like, Last Guardian really looks like the same thing again if you've played Eco before. Yeah. I mean, have you ever heard somebody say that their favorite game of all time is one of the last few Final Fantasy games? Yes. Really? A, I've seen a couple people say their final favorite game of all time is uh, Final Fantasy X. Really? Yeah. Final Fantasy has fans. They're all a lot well, younger than us. I know that, us. but... Well, they're all a lot younger than us, but 7, 8, 9, 10, and 13, I've seen... Not no, 13, see, 13's not very often, but I've seen all of those named as favorite Up to 9, names. I could see somebody saying that. But to me, at 10, that's where it kind of jumped the shark. And Same for me. It 10's the first Final Fantasy game I didn't finish. I just walked away from it eventually. But there's people that think it's the best one, and it's their, one of their favorite games ever. Wow. Same with 13. There's people who love 13. Japan loves 13. Japan loves Lightning. 
That's why Lightning didn't go away for 10 freaking years. Yeah, there's some people who are friends with me on Facebook that have, like, Final, like, Lightning is, like, their mm-hmm. avatar and, like... Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it ain't me, but it's what they but love. But the point I was getting at is that, you know, you just said that Shadow of the Colossus is your favorite game of all time. You're not the first person I've heard say that. Mm-hmm. I've heard that from a lot of people. And so, to me, I feel like the average person would be more disappointed if The Last Guardian ends up not being up to expectations. I don't think the average person even knows what The, what the Last Guardian <laughs> is yet. Like, You're right. I mean, I mean, the, I mean there are billboards. I mean, yeah. it, it's, I mean, I think it might sell pretty well because Sony is putting real marketing muscle behind this thing. Well, it might sell well because there's no other first-party exclusive right. for Q4. But I think they're going like you're going to start seeing ads for this on football, and that's often. I don't know if that's the right demographic. Oh, I don't know. Like it looks, it looks cool enough, and like you think, you know, and one of the brilliant things about it is, I think, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I'm. 98% sure that the animal that, that the creature is based on is a cat. But a lot of people look at it and think it's a dog. So basically... It's a cog. It's a cog. It's a cog bird. <laughs> uh, so, but like, you know, if you... Like, the, the bond between a boy and his dog right. is something that speaks to even the manliest of men. Yeah. And I think if you run this and emphasize sort of the boy and his animal thing for like the NFL crowd, they'll they'll like... They'll hug the dog a little tighter. How do you and, market and, this game in the U.S.? I guess you. I mean, I think you market it like, <laughs> kind of like how you did Uncharted, where it's a movie. Like you market yeah. it like a movie, like an experience, um, and you really you really push the cinematic angle because the gameplay doesn't seem to be anything particularly compelling for a casual audience. You do realize that we are three weeks away from playing The Last Guardian. Yeah. Three weeks I after saw, all this wait, three saw, weeks, people. Are I saw the photo the of uh, Jeff Keeley with the first copy of it. It exists. Yeah, I saw it's it on real. Twitter or something. Yeah. And there's actually a disc inside yep. the case or whatever. So it's coming, people. The wait is over. I'm try- I'm staying optimistic. Like I've waited all this time. I'm not going to go gloom and doom now. Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. It was discouraging. That's my to motto read. for 2016. <laughs> <laughs> It was discouraging to see that report from GameSpot, but I'm keeping my chin up and I'm staying hopeful. So mm-hmm. we'll see. It all come out in the wash in a very short. Uh, and also, of time. let's not forget. You know, I feel like you know I've played enough video games that if I sat down at that event, uh, I would also have the same experience. Where I'm just like, yeah, I understand what you want me to do here. This is you know the language of kind of action puzzle games is not a complex one for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and if it does become too complex, you've made it wrong. So you know, I wouldn't expect that from Team Eco. Um, and also, let's not forget, you and I have been to a lot of game press events, and the people who go to those events are not always the best game players yeah. in, in the world. That's true. You know, um, you, we, you know we've, we've, we've all been in the multiplayer competitions, we've all, certainly I've been to some of the fighting game launches where I, I had to explain to people who've been doing this for 10, 15 years what the block button does. Um, and they might just be, you know, their PR might just be, you know, intentionally underestimating the abilities of the people that were at this thing to make sure. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, if, if these, you know, the guys, we know the guys that go from, from GameStop, GameSpot are going to be competent. That, you know, they might not have been talking to them, yeah, is what true. I'm saying, you yeah. know. And because, again, one of the ways you would be familiar with this game in terms of how it plays and the, and the, the little nuances of that is if you were able to watch those or those demos at E3 and understand what you were seeing, why you were seeing it, and how they translated into what you'd have to do on a controller. And that takes a certain level of experience, and maybe Sony didn't want to assume that everybody had that. Well, Especially if they had YouTube influencers there. Yeah. Well, I think this is the last time we're going to talk about The Last Guardian on this show until it comes out. 
It's uh, unless something horrible happens right. between now yeah. and then. Yeah. They cancel it or yeah. it's delayed. I, it feels good to be able to say this is the last time I'm talking about the last Guardian on a podcast. I've been doing this now for mm. ten years. Preview talking, wise, yeah, yeah, talking about this game for ten years on podcasts. Because one way or the other, we're going to be either talking about it. We're going to talk about it when it comes out, and we're going to talk about it hopefully either for game of the year or most disappointing thing ever. So. I, like, I'm still really excited for it. I'm really pumped. I'm excited. Look, it's, complete, just... it's still completely different from anything else coming out the rest yeah. of this year. I mean, having gone through, you know, Titanfall, Battlefield 1, and uh, Infinite Warfare over the last few weeks, like, I'm ready for something that isn't shooting me. Yeah, exactly, you know? I like, man. I need, I need some valleys from these peaks. I need some third-party, ac- third-person action, and I need it now. Well, it's got this today, Sifters. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, not going to help. Yeah. Dishonored 2. I don't know. First-person first slasher sneaker. Dishonored has some quiet moments to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it depends on how you play it. I mean, it's not going to feel like playing Titanfall 2, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, be, I'll start digging into this tonight. Pretty excited about that. Got it the day before it comes out, just like Bethesda just like said. said. <laughs> and, uh, I guess you can't call Bethesda a liar. I'm, I'm a little more worried, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about a zombie video game franchise that is like a zombie. Mm -hmm. So the studio that created Evolve, which obviously has been going through some tough times lately uh, with uh, 2K basically killing their game off, out of the blue, one of its developers this week said, hey, you know what I got? I have a whole brand new story for Left 4 Dead. Hmm. How long has it been since Left 4 Dead came out? Eight years? Roughly, yeah, about that. I'll always remember Left 4 Dead because it was one of the first cooperative games that everybody at G4 played together. Mm-hmm. Like, I met a, not, a lot of... When we moved from Tech TV down to L.A. and we were kind of mashed together, the Tech TV folks with the G4 folks, we'd always talk about playing games together. And it must have been earlier then because we we uh, we moved to the new building in 07. I think you went to game trailers at the, in uh What 05. year did Left 4 Dead come out? Was it 2005-ish? I think it was. That, that was when 360 came out. It might have been 2006. Six. Yeah. And I, I guess I did leave in early 06. Maybe I was playing it with you guys once I had gone to GT. Might have been. You know, maybe what it was was that was the game that I played with you guys after I left. Mm-hmm. And I really loved it because it was a way for me to stay in contact with you guys after mm-hmm. I had left and gone to work somewhere else. That sounds right. Yeah. That was hard for me, leaving G4 to so go. I played this game with a lot of people. Like, this was this was a phenomenon at the I time. I remember Abby was really good at this game. Yep. Abby was a very good Zoe. Yeah, I remember we'd play with her and, like, I'd just sit back. Like, I just, like, protect her. Well, I played a lot of co-op with Abby. The, the, the basic, uh, the basic uh, theory is let her, let her run. 2008, and... people are saying in the chat. 2008? Yeah. That seems much later than I thought. Me too. The first Left 4 Dead, 2008. Hmm. Wow. But she, she charges in and you cover her. That's yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. how that works. <laughs> you know, when we were shooting uh, Pactor Factor this week, he was talking about how when he plays cooperative games... He just finds the best player on the team, and then he just protects the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just follow him around, and I wait for enemies to attack him, and I pick off the enemies that are trying to attack him. And that's how I, how I win at competitive games, basically, or finish competitive games. Mm. But uh, how cra- have you ever heard of a game that eight years after it came out? Actually, yeah, eight years after it came out. So actually, I did have the date right, right at the yeah. beginning. I said eight years from now, which was put it at 2008. So, I can't think of another game 
where a whole new chapter of it is released eight years after it came out. No, I mean like user content, but not right. like an official not like release. officially from the developers who made the game. And why'd they wait so long? I don't know. It's totally maybe this is, is this, all, this is out of Valve or Turtle Rock. Turtle Rock. I'm just who, wondering who knows what happens in the halls of those places. It's really know, crazy, like, dude. It, yeah, but like I said, it's like it's a zombie. It like came yeah. back from the dead and uh, to release this new chapter. I've not played it yet, actually. I haven't had time because there's all these games coming out that I have to play now. But uh, I was really excited to hear about that. I'm a big fan of Left 4 Dead. I like the first Left 4 Dead a lot more than Left 4 Dead 2. Same. Um, I don't know if that's a universal opinion or not, but I know personally I enjoyed... I mean, that's as long as the first game in a franchise gets close to nailing it, I think that's kind mm-hmm. of a common theme. Well, I think, I think too, um, and this is a rarity, but I, for two, I feel like I just needed a map pack. Yeah. And, like, you know, adding the new special infected and kind of changing things up in places, like, I just thought it kind of, like, complicated things for no reason. Yeah. You know, I just... I really just wanted more Left 4 Dead 1. Pretty I didn't, much, I didn't, yeah. I didn't need you to evolve it any just further. Just give me some new creatures, yeah. some new maps. And I think in some places, it, it, and some of Well, the, you know, if it came out today, yeah. there'd be a season pass oh, with yeah. like four installments for 50 bucks. And, and you'd have to pay for each type of zombie. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you'd have yeah. to pay for all the weapons. There'd be no campaign. Nope. <laughs> it's funny to look back and see how the industry has changed so much in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the DLC thing is just like out of control at and this point. And it's funny how, again, like in, uh, I guess, in sort of Shades of Overwatch. Uh, they did such a good job of creating, you know, memorable characters yeah. in a multiplayer-only game. Um, but like the, you know, the one-off dialogue exchanges and reaction. I mean, I did like um, the dumb hick guy in two. Yeah. I mean, he was <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. I don't remember what his name was. I'm surprised um, there haven't been more clones of this game. I think it's really hard to make that. Really? Game. I think yeah, make it well. Yeah, I, I think I think that's one of the. I mean, there's been. Sort of similar things I've noticed, like on you know in the early access stuff on Steam and stuff, but I don't think anybody trusts anyone but these guys to make this game because it kind of cheats a little bit because you have like the safe houses that you go into and mm-hmm. then you know it can load everything up and oh, yeah. like you know it's not like this big open world game that you have to manage all this this data and all this stuff that's going on everywhere. It's yeah, like, but the, but the way the director works in that, yeah, like, the way it really like manages the game experience, like that's can't be easy. Like yeah. uh, you know that's kind of the, the heart of Left 4 Dead. In terms of the gameplay, and you can, see, you know, early on I was skeptical about. It. I'm like, okay, the direct, you know, it's a, the emotion engine part two kind of thing. But like, eventually, like when you, you know, when we play, we'd play those maps over and over and over, and like we started, you know, my little group, we start experimenting. What happens if we do this? And like, we realized that like if we did too well up to this point, because we were trying to do like the achievements were like, you know. Some of the stuff where it's like no one goes down through the whole thing on hard, like all through through all four maps, and we would learn that like. If you do too well, they start sending worse and worse stuff against you, and like you know, whereas so you're like, like fighting against the algorithm in yeah, some ways. like like by the you know, and we're like, we I remember I don't remember which map it was, but it was one like near like kind of the two thirds or three quarters of the way through the game, and we we kept getting ruined on it because we would do really well through the first part, but because we did so well, the game would send like an extra tank after oh, us. Oh, interesting. And, we, and like it would be like, oh, you're doing so good. Here's some more shit to kill you, and like right. it was, it became. I mean, I. That I, I've been through a lot of achievement farming with that group for you know we played together for fifteen years almost, and like that is 
I think, the closest we have ever gotten to all just saying, fuck all of you people, and we're not <laughs> playing together anymore. I mean, the anger and the frustration and, like, just the fact that, like, you couldn't get mad at someone because the tank caught them, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. like... Now, that's cooperative gaming yeah, in a nutshell, I mean, though. But, it, but it's like that director was so good at countering the way we tried to get through stuff that yeah. I, it, it became like fighting an entity. And it was real. I mean, in retrospect, it was pretty awesome. At the time, it was infuriating. Yeah. But like, I think that's probably a pretty tough thing to get right. And Left 4 Dead really got it right. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, so I'll go back. I mean, it, the thing about the new episode is like, I don't have anyone from the old days to really play with. In a I don't even know if I still have it. Like, it may have gotten stolen out of here. I have it on PC. I would have to dig out my old 360 copy, I guess, to play it again that way. But I think that actually was one of the games that was stacked I remember here. seeing it on the stack, so yeah, yeah I, I, think, I, think, I, I think I got that's Robin and took it, so bastards. It's free on Steam, or what I think, or was. Yeah. You should be able to get it on PC pretty easy. Yeah, I'm, it may get a little revival here. Yeah. Like, now that there's new content to play through, and I think what will happen is people will go back to play that new content, and they'll get sucked into playing the whole game again. Because it's that good, and it's that much fun. And still, to this day, it's unique. And that is one thing I guess you got to hand to Turtle Rock. Like, say what you want about Evolve, but it's unique, and yeah. it's different. Left for Dead, still at this point, no one's really replicated it or managed to do it yeah. better, for sure. So... I'm worried about that studio, though. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, they haven't announced anything else. No, they're they've on. got a lot of good ideas, though, and I could see them kind of going back to Valve, and and maybe Valve could uh, give them something to do. Hopefully 2K subsidized. I, w- I would love to see them go back to that old idea they had for the... It was a canceled game, but it was called The Crossing. And it was a shooter. I remember it, yeah. And all the enemies were played by, by players. Yeah. Like, it was like you were, you were playing your the campaign... But other players would join your game and be, be the enemies. enemies. So you yeah. were never pl- fighting against a computer-controlled AI. It was always, you know, and they had like almost no. That health. had to be so brutal, though. But they had almost no health or whatever. You know, it was probably it was very easy to kill the the, the NPC enemies, basically. Right. But they were PC enemies. Um, but what a cool idea! It is that a cool is, idea. You know? yeah. I and, mean, Evolve was a cool yeah. idea. In practice, it just wasn't as fun as everyone thought it was going to be. Right. When I first heard the idea of Evolve, I was like, Pow! like, holy mm. crap. But the crossing I was, thought was interesting because it's like, you're really riding that ragged line between like competitive play and trolling. You know? yeah. like, it's just like griefing as part of the game almost. Yeah. Um, but wouldn't that be real? That would be really interesting. Just to, you know, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't like it, but I would be definitely interested to try it. Yep. So maybe they could go back to that concept and you know, give it another shot. We'll see. Let's move on. Let's talk about more sales. Except this time it's for a franchise that usually has no problem with Mm. selling copies. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, its first week in the UK, sold half of what Black Ops 3 did its first week in the UK. Mm. Matt, is this nothing or is it something? I don't know. Does it include digital? No. But it didn't include digital back then either. Mm. Well, I think digital. There's a big shift to digital. It's it's the same metric. Right. It's from the same source, mm-hmm. and it's measuring the same thing. So it's a legitimate fifty mm-hmm. percent less in the first week. I I just think you know we need to know digital until we know what that means. You know, I don't do do I think fifty percent of the people that were buying physical copies have suddenly switched over to digital. Probably not. Yeah. But I think a chunk of that is that. And then like I would say a, a max of ten percent. I think it's more than that. Really? Yeah. I, I think you're underestimating the digital sales at this point. 
Same, really? same with the, your, your worry over the games, GameStop stuff. Uh, I think that just means people aren't going to GameStop anymore. They're going. You can go anywhere to get stuff now. You can go to the. You can get stuff digitally online, or if you know if a game comes out that I want a physical copy of, I get it through Amazon because I get twenty percent off from Amazon Prime. And if I really want something that's on a shelf just because I didn't pre-order or whatever, I'm just going to go to Best Buy or Target. Like I'm not going to go to GameStop. Like like I think people, you know, they're struggling in part because there's no reason to go there anymore unless you're trading something in. I went to when I got to my PlayStation VR. It was the first time I had been there since I pre-ordered PlayStation mm-hmm. VR, and before that, I hadn't been there in like five years. Game, like GameStop, I think the first time I will set foot in one for a long time is going to be for Last Guardian because I pre-ordered the collector's edition of that there because Amazon sold out like in a split second. Yeah. Um. So they're useful for that, <laughs> but like that's about all. Like. That's, it's well, that's half of their business now is selling just yeah. tchotchkes and yeah. like video game swag it's and clothes. The one, the one and... in West Hollywood has been fascinating to watch. This you know they had a little shelf of like DC figures and stuff, and that's grown to become almost a third of the store now. Yeah, that's where their money is. But like, you know, the, there's the, still the, something to this. We're kind of getting off on a tangent here, this, talking the, about digital versus. But the fifty percent drop, like, my question on that is sort of like. You know, there's been backlash against this game because of the, that's how you had to buy the game to get Modern Modern Warfare remastered. Uh, is that enough? Do people, you know, it's Black Ops Three? Like, I don't need another game this year. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe that all combines to add up to fifty percent of you know lower physical retail sales. Um, it's hard to believe that this that people would look at this thing and not be interested. But at the same time, I haven't been interested for like four years and now I am. So maybe yeah. it's just not appealing to the same people. Well, I, I certainly, I said last week, there's people I know who like Call of Duty, but they aren't going in for Infinite Warfare because they say you know, it doesn't scratch the breach and clear itch. Yeah. It's not the same kind of thing. Honestly, I think what is going to work against it, and I think this is a part of what, what happened the first weekend in the UK, is that the multiplayer is just like Black Ops mm. 3. And so you don't feel like you're getting this new experience. It, it feels like they're asking you for $60 to play a five or six hour campaign and then a bunch of maps because it does play exactly like Black Ops 3. And it's been to my detriment because I hardly played Black Ops 3. And you can see it online because the people who are playing online have now been playing this same multiplayer already for a year. So you can tell, like, these people are just masters at the Black Ops 3 multiplayer. And they're just jumping right in. And I guess for them, it's great. But if for somebody who hasn't played Black Ops 3 all that much online, it's tough. Like, they're so freaking good. I'm just getting annihilated online. I've never got destroyed like this in a Call of Duty game. Mm. And I think it's because we're basically looking at two years in a row of the exact same multiplayer component. The exact same traversal, speed, everything about it is just like Black Ops 3. And so you have all these people who've been playing it for a year, they just jumped right in and just started kicking ass, and they're kicking my ass, <laughs> let me tell you, man. Like, Which is funny, because like you look at the single player, and it's like barely recognizable. Oh, yeah. I mean, the it's game... Weird they didn't incorporate more of that into the multi. The whole game doesn't fit together as a whole at all. Like, the zombies mode is this weird, like, 80s, like, B-movie thing. Hmm. Like, the, and then you have, like, Star Wars in the campaign. This, or maybe it's closer to, like, Battlestar Galactica or whatever. But it's, like, this space-bound sci-fi movie thing. And then you have, like, this campy, like, zombies mode from, like, the 80s. And then you have multiplayer from Black Ops 3. It's, like, the, there's no 
theme or connecting tissue with any of the three modes. It feels like they're three separate games just put on one disc. And it's the first time I've ever really felt that way about a Call of Duty. But G. you can play as a robot. It's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've never seen Call of Duty drop that much in one year from sales. And I'm just really Although, starting to Also, it's just UK. I mean, is the UK that much of a barometer for the rest of the world in terms of Call of Duty sales? Well, it's not even about talking about sales anywhere else. You're just looking at... It's 50% down from the UK last year. Mm-hmm. So you're working with the same variable there. Right. It's but the I'm, What I'm saying is that that doesn't necessarily tell us anything about America's sales. No, it doesn't. But it's certainly... A, a, sort of a, a tipping the hand to mm-hmm. a theme, maybe. Somewhat. I mean, I don't know much about how the British economy is doing right now. Maybe people aren't buying luxury goods so much. Right yeah. Now. You know, it could, it could be a combination of a whole bunch of stuff. It's a big drop, though. That's I mean, huge. I mean, huge. I, I mean, the thing is, like, I just don't see anything about this particular installment of this game that warrants that kind of a drop. So it makes me think that there must be something else happening, or multiple other something else is happening. You know. Somebody in the chat just said, I don't know what he's talking about. He was slaying. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I was definitely not doing any slaying in uh, in Infinite Warfare multiplayer. I was the slayed. <laughs> Let me tell you. I got slayed. I get slayed. Were you streaming it? No, but I think, you but know, people... Are you talking about the footage here? Because <laughs> that was not you. Oh. That was a multiplayer. That was yeah. campaign footage. But I don't know what... I don't know what... People look. People on Sifted play with me all the time. Yeah, like they'll just join my game whenever Mm -hmm. I'm playing. Like they'll see that I'm playing and they'll jump in. And like sometimes I don't even know that like you guys are there until like they leave and then they'll send me a message like "Was great playing with you." I'm like, I didn't even know we were Hmm. playing together. Uh, Here's a tip, Sifters: if you come in and play with me, like send me the message while we're playing so I know you're there and we'll like team up. In fact, I could use some help in Infinite Warfare. I'm just getting destroyed, Hmm. so. I have, Cheater Hater has an interesting question. How long do you think it'll take for COD to take a year off like Assassin's Creed did this year? A long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if it ends up selling half of what it did last year, they'll certainly reevaluate. I mean... We're never getting something that interesting again, that's for sure. I mean, here's the thing. These games are already on the... This is the first Call of Duty that was on the three-year cycle. This mm. is the first one. And they're going to be on the three-year cycle from they're rotating now on. through the three different developers. Exactly. Yeah. This is the first one where they took three years to develop. So next year is Sledgehammer? Yep. Okay. Yep, Sledgehammer will be back, which I'm totally cool with because I really love their last Call of Duty. Their, their last one was Advanced Warfare. Right. Yeah, with all the crazy traversal and the jetpacks, and I hope that they come back and expand on that because mm-hmm. I loved it. So... I don't know. I mean, maybe we have... People have always been wondering, like, when is the Call of Duty bubble going to pop? You know, mm-hmm. like when is that going to happen? And I'm wondering if finally it has happened. But why? What would cause that? I now? mean, I think I tried to explain it there a little bit that people just feel like it's the same damn game they just yeah, bought but, last but, year. But, but it, it's been that for a long time, I think. And, yeah, but you're also getting people don't. At this but point. people don't know that until they play it. So oh, how does know. how does These that reading tra- reviews and all that type of stuff? It, I mean, every review for this game says it's. Black Ops 3 multiplayer. Yeah, but that stuff was pre-ordered long before anybody read a review. I mean, I that, this, this series has been re- review-proof for years. Does anybody need to pre-order Call of Duty? Well, because that's how you get your oh, due right. XP or whatever, isn't it? Right. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's all that extra... Crap that I don't pay crap. attention yeah. to. Yeah. Maybe they thought that this multiplayer trailer was me playing. That's probably what it was. <laughs> this is a pre-cut trailer from Activision, folks. This is not me playing. So... 
I don't know. I thought it pretty curious that it would drop that much. I can't. I can't remember a call. It is curious, but I just that. I just don't have a real like solid theory why it would drop that far. Uh, unless you're really talking about you know a whole bunch of different factors adding up to fifty percent, basically. Because I can't. I can't think that it dropped fifty percent just because everybody looked at this and said, "Screw this game. I don't want to play it." Because like. But maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, because like, for the first time since Ghost, I looked at a Call of Duty game and said, wow, I really want to play that. So yeah. maybe I'm just the opposite of what the core audience wants. But the thing is, is that people buy this game for the multiplayer. Most people do not buy it for the campaign. Mm-hmm. And you're look, you're right, the campaign does look awesome. It's been marketed very well, and it looks completely different and interesting, and it's like it has a twist and different angles. But ultimately, you know, when you pay that 60 bucks, you're counting on playing that multiplayer for the next three months or four or a year, in, in mm-hmm. a lot of cases, for people that buy this game. And if you're looking at it like, hey, it's 60 bucks, and I'm getting, like, ten new maps, but the gameplay is basically the same, and someone has been playing this game already for how many years? I mean, you can look at the election. Like, for human, the human condition, there's a breaking point. Where people get tired of the same old thing, and eventually, like, people revolt. And I'm wondering if this is sort of that revolt, or at least the first signs of the revolt. I don't know. I need to see American sales before I believe anything like that. Yeah. Um, Look, I don't think it's going to bomb in America. No matter what, it's going to sell, like, 10 million copies, probably. Mm. But... It usually sells more than that. So I just feel like we're looking at like one facet of a jewel here. Yeah. You know, like I just I, it doesn't it doesn't tell me anything concrete. Um, it's certainly weird though. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, the, I mean, I, has Activision done their usual like, hey, we sold a, a oblivious number of copies no. or whatever? Because like, if they you know not doing that is unusual. They've not done that. They've not sent out a press release saying we sold. You're right. That's a good point. Usually. By now, we would have got that press release mm-hmm. that says sold, Break, generated, breaking whatever, like we, entertainment know. records yeah. for first three days. And if yeah. you noticed, like the last couple, every time they did those, the last couple times it would be like over the first five days, right. over the first six days. So maybe like tomorrow we get one that's like the over the two first weeks yeah. in <laughs> entertainment disc based right. history with future guns. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're starting to, yeah, they're grasping at straws a little bit at this point. But no, they've not put out any kind of a press mm-hmm. release with their sales. So um, do you think, like, maybe, would it would it shock you or surprise you that, like, the series peaks with Black Ops 3? It would not surprise It wouldn't have surprised me if it happened three games mm-hmm. ago. I mean, we've been playing these games for so long, and I mean... Well, a lot of people thought Ghosts was kind of the, the bubble popping, and that turned out shark. to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people came back. Mm-hmm. But why they came back was because they finally changed the game. Like, that's mm-hmm. when they finally changed the traversal all up. Um, first, Sledgehammer d- did it, and then, you know, with Treyarch, they kind of pulled it back a little bit from what Sledgehammer did. But it still was new. You still had wall running and double jumping and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when the MPD report rolls around. Uh, we should get that. Maybe people are waiting for Christmas. Maybe. I people don't know. They, they bought people Battle- don't wait for anything. They bought Battlefield Duty. 1 and now they're waiting for Christmas for Infinite Warfare. And it doesn't work a, that way with We're going to kill people in space for to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's, <laughs> that's how we do it. <laughs> All right, let's move along. Next, we're going to talk about the Metro franchise. So, yesterday, it leaked. I le- knew you would put writing on the Metro as the lower <laughs> third for this. Why do you think I. I use that, though. Because you like the Go-Go's. It's not the Go-Go's, though. <laughs> bangles. It's not the Bangles, either. One of those. <laughs> One of those 80s girl groups. 
Uh, I actually don't remember the name of the band, but they're more underground than like the Bangles or the Go-Go's. Somebody, really? somebody in chat knows. Blondie? No. It's not Human League. It's no, a, it's not It's Human a group League. like that. It's like an electro group from the 80s. They were like alternative. Berlin? For, yeah, it's Berlin. Okay. Yeah. Only hit they ever had. Berlin was like underground. Uh, Berlin had another hit. Take my breath away. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> Top Gun, son. What the I hell? forgot about that. That was like their one commercial song that they made mm. or whatever back in the day. But, uh, but no, that's not why. So let me tell the story. So uh-huh. yesterday, it leaks out that a new Metro game is coming next year. And I was pretty excited about that. We'll talk about Metro in a second. And then today, Deep Silver comes out and says, oh, no, 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 no. The new Metro's not coming out this year, or next year, but basically said it is coming out. Mm-hmm. And so, to go to, to talk about the graphic, I'm thinking about Deep Silver, and I'm like, you kind of needed that game next year, mm-hmm. because they have nothing. Yeah. They had nothing this year. They, now they have nothing next year. So, thus... Now the de- because Dead Island 2 got killed. Right. So Deep Silver's prospects are riding on... The Metro. Oh. See, much more clever than you thought. Yeah. Or maybe I thought it was more, <laughs> maybe I thought it was more clever than it actually was. Uh, what are your feelings on the Metro franchise? I like it. It's... Uh... I've, I've played. I played the first one when it came out, and I played the second one in the Redux package when I like, on Steam. Um, they're they're good. Uh, they they're kind of like an actiony version of Stalker in some ways. I, they have. A, I love the. Are they good though? Yeah, like I don't. They're not great, but they're they're pretty good in terms of what they're doing. And the I, first one was a broken piece of crap. Well, it worked okay. I thought. Really? Yeah. I didn't oh hate man, it. I saw crazy stuff in that game. I didn't like hate the it. AI that would just go dead. Like, oh yeah, the AI wasn't great, but like wasn't great. But I like it the. It didn't uh, exist. But I like the. It wasn't that bad. It that was, was bad. Mine. Maybe you played it post patch or something. I, it came I out. Did, and I we were reviewing I, it. I played it when it first came out, like for like a little while, and I think I went back to it like at the end of the year. So oh. maybe it was fixed a little. Oh bit man, then. we had a field day doing the review for that at Game Trailers, man. I, just, I just liked how rushed it was. Like it was just like, I lo- yeah, I know it's based on uh, I think a book series. Or something. It's it's um, but like I love the the whole like the world is ending like monsters are everywhere, uh, and then like you're you're with this like group of Russians who live underground and go out periodically to f- kill these things, even though they know humanity is doomed because that's just what Russians do. Yeah. Like it's just like <laughs> we're still alive, so we're just gonna fight until we can't fight anymore. I was like, I just I just loved like the 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 utter bleakness of of the world and of the attitude of the characters in it, where it's just like, well, we're just going to keep doing this because um, what else we got, you know? But <laughs> that's great. that's why I'm not a fan of this franchise, and also why I'm not a fan of Stalker. And I get that some people really like them, and I get that they're atmospheric, but they're just so drab and dreary. Oh, they're, rel- just... they're relentless in in terms of how it's like, yeah, you, you're not going to come away from this game feeling good. Like it's. Uh, it's the Ser- it's a Serbian movie of shooters. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do not go and watch that movie. Based yeah, don't, upon don't, it. don't just like pop that in for a Thanksgiving treat just because <laughs> no, I mentioned yeah. it. Don't don't do that to yourself. 
Yeah, I've talked about really depraved movies in the past, and that one is up tipping the the scale at about oh, it's, eleven. I mean, I have seen anything and everything you can imagine on a screen in, in terms of twisted and horrible movies, and even I was like, wow. Yeah. Like I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I've seen some some pretty big betrayals of the audience in my time in a movie theater, and that one was like, you saw Ooh. that in a movie theater? Yeah. Oh my god. I, did. I mean, I knew it was supposed to be like a thing when it came, it showed up. But I, went, I mean, I have, and I have never seen so many people walk out of a movie. I believe it. Many of them with their hands over their mouths. Oh, I believe like it. It was, it was uh, yeah, don't. What, my, people, I, all, everyone in the chat right now. Everyone Googling. is looking it up right now, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the best part was at one point Attack of the Show did a segment on it. Really? And some poor intern had to go through the whole thing and capture from it. And so it was Wait, run- when did that movie come out? It was years ago. It was like 20, this was 2011, 2012. Okay. Yeah, it was late. Right. But I remember being in the game lab while this poor intern had to go through, she had to go through the whole thing and find these scenes they were talking about. And eventually they would, you know, they, they blurred a bunch of stuff. And yeah. they did, you know, but like, you know, we're sitting in the game, there's like 15 people working in the game lab, capturing stuff, looking around, somebody shooting something. And a Serbian film is, is playing over in a corner. And I'm just like, and I'm just like, wow! <laughs> like you, like people get fired for that stuff. Somebody put the Final Fantasy standee in front of yeah. the in front of the monitor or something. But that is a great analogy. Like you're right, Stalker and Metro are like the Serbian <laughs> film of video games. They're just like this dreary. Everything's gray and brown and red. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they've never resonated with me, but I know a lot of people really like them. I'm also, like, have, you, have you ever been to Eastern Europe over there? I have not, because uh, that's what it looks oh, like. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Even even the nice, you know, the, you know, we, we, you know, I was in the Czech Republic, and eventually we went east far enough to go to Brno. To uh, we're going to two K Brno. We're going to see Mafia Two, and like we're driving through, and it's just like it's just it's like it's like oh, it's and there's like here's a here's a gray a gray blasted heath with like a burned out warehouse, and I'm like, what the hell is that? And they're like, oh, that's from communism. Just no one's <laughs> that's from communism. no one no one's ever cleaned it up or you know gotten rid of it or restored it or anything. It's just there's stuff like that everywhere here, and I'm just like. Oh boy! And I think that was like twenty years ago. That was a long time ago. And it's just like there's like the wreckage of this horrible period, just sort of laying there, and it's just part of life. And you de- you just deal with it. You you get used to it. And like Metro twenty thirty and like Metro twenty thirty three made a lot more sense. After yeah, that. yeah. You know, what I've discovered is that I don't like any game where you have a constant status that's always going down. Like, I didn't like that about No Man's Sky with the cold. I don't mm. like it in Stalker with the radiation. I didn't like it in Metroid Prime 2 where they had, like, the dark and the light mm. areas and you had to, like, run from one bubble to the next to, like, not die. Like, I hate any game that does that, man. You're not it's, a survival guy? No, I mean, I don't mind survival games, but whenever it's, like, this extreme thing that's always, like, hanging over your head, like... But, you know, you're right. Like, hunger in games, I hate mm. that crap. For me, it, dep- it depends on how it's done, but like, you know, like, so in No Man's Sky, it doesn't really bother me. I'll tell you what I hated in that, in that, you know, in that bracket of gameplay mechanics. That bucket of games. Um, Majora's Mask. Yeah. I didn't like The it fact either. that the a whole game thing. was one giant time limit, I was like, nah, I don't like, I don't like this. And like, I know some people like cite that one as their favorite Zelda because of how weird and dark and twisted it is. And I appreciate that, but I ain't playing something with that time limit. The first time I played Majora's Mask, I didn't make it more than like two hours through the Same. game. And I just quit. Mm-hmm. I just was not having fun with it. Yep. The other part of it, too, that really sucks is like the original version of Majora's Mask on the N64, 
You had to play it for like two hours to get to the first get save to point. Saving it, yeah. Yeah. So I had started the game like, like three or four times, <laughs> never got to the save point before I quit, and then finally went back and got to the save point and got another hour in it. And I was just like, I'm not really enjoying this. Mm. I didn't really have fun. Like I I've couldn't been, really I've understand told, the time mechanic and like I've been told that the the 3DS remake has a adjusted save system that makes it uh, less annoying. Kind of has to for a handheld, right? Yeah, but I haven't played it personally, uh, so I do have it, but I haven't actually played it. Someone yeah. gave it to me for Christmas. You know what else I got today? Pokemon Sun and Moon. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that game. I got uh, I got the uh, the metal version ordered from uh, Amazon. Yeah. So uh, I think that was that. That's eight, the 18th. Yep. Coming up. That's not enough time to get it done. No. It's <laughs> enough time to kind of get a taste, though. Yeah, I mean, those games are huge. Yeah. But uh, it's also one of those games that you, you can You will sit... not catch them all. Yeah, I definitely will not. I, but it's also one of those games that you can play like on the couch like with your girlfriend or your wife while they watch TV, and you can kind of pay attention to what's going on mm-hmm. on the TV, and turn-based battles, battles are always good for that. So what's your level of excitement over a Metro sequel on a scale of 1 to 10? I don't know, like a four. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> That's about where I come in. It's one of those games where I'm just like, oh, cool. I will see you in your four dollars on Steam sale. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of surprised they're even making another one. Like, I, don't I mean, think it they depends. Were like, ever I might, I, I could like, the- they were successful enough, I think, in terms of worldwide stuff. They didn't set the world on fire, but I think they did. You know, Deep Silver has its knows it's where it is in yeah. terms of it knows how much it can life. sell. Yeah, <laughs> how much it can sell and. I think they, they plan accordingly. Clearly, they are not spending you know $180 million to make these things. So yeah. I think, I'm sure it works out for them. But, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things where if I could find it for a really good price in the launch window and nothing else is coming out, then I might try it. But it's not, it's never been, you know, that series has never been a priority to me. What they should do is they should just make the next Metro you can just kill Putin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It would probably sell double what it... Like, it turns out that the whole thing was his fault. Right. Basically. Like yeah, and you hunt him down and you kill him. He's the leader. Yeah. Giant mutant Putin on a... <laughs> mutant, mutant Putin. <laughs> Putin on the Ritz. A putant. <laughs> a putant. <laughs> now, we're on, now we're on a list. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Trump's already got the, the, uh, the feelers out there yeah. looking for uh, people talking bad about his allies. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk about The Division. We've talked about this game a couple times on Game Face. Maybe more than a couple. Um, as, we, as we know, like they had kind of put a halt to all the updates. Because basically, Ubisoft got to a place where it's like, look, like th- these updates aren't going the way we want. Yeah. The game's boring to play. Um, neither one of us have played it in months, I'm assuming. No, I, I have I have installed it. I, I, I installed, installed it a long time ago, and I haven't really played it since launch, in all honesty, since ever I did the game eval for it. Yeah, I, th- I finished it, and we, we all, I think we they tried to do, like, the raid, and, you know, you can only do the daily, you know, play the same level you've already played four times daily with a different difficulty level so many times, and so it's like, oh, and you didn't get anything you needed, so you wasted your time now. It's like... I, you know, it's it's that destiny thing where it's just like you're making me do the dumb part of MMOs yeah. for no good reason. So I'm going to stop playing you. And then you announce your big DLC thing is sewers. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Come on. Well, you know. So then they had the second DLC pack coming, and they basically delayed it because they're like, oh, this isn't going the way that we wanted it to. It's not going the way I want it to either. I don't want it to go underground. Stop it. And uh, so yeah. So basically, Ubisoft is saying, you know, we need to change this game in order for it to survive. Mm-hmm. 
or AKA, in order for it to be the cash cow that we hoped right. that it was going to be. So we can stall until Division 2 comes out. Yep. And so we wait another two months for them to finally release a DLC. They announced a DLC this week, and it's a 24-player survival mode. How do you feel about that? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Where you have to survive the cold. I feel nothing. I think I mentioned this before. Just give us boss fights. Yeah. Like, just give us really tough boss fights. Just... Done. I'll like, come back and like I'll play. Like the hands of my theoretical player character, uh, I am numb. Yeah. I don't, I don't... You think this is the end of The Division? It's the end of The Division for me. Yeah. I don't care. I don't think I ever bought the season pass anyway, so... I didn't either. I think I may have got it with did the I? review code. I think if Maybe I go I back, I think it just automatically downloads the I updates. I don't know. I'm sure someone will go back to our Division episode and I'll say what I did. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I made a mistake there. Yeah. But uh, this is not going to I bring, hope I didn't. This is not going to bring me back to the Division. No. No. I mean, a decent expansion that, like, explored a new part of Manhattan would, would bring me back. But they're not making that. They're making a damn sewer level. Yeah. Or what about, like, other... There's five boroughs Central, in Central New York. Park or any... I mean, you've only did, like, the bottom third of Manhattan. There's a lot more to do. Well, they had also talked before the game came out that they were going to, like, you know... There was supposed to be Brooklyn proper, yeah. not just like this little thing little you start in. Beginning, yeah. Like literally, you're gonna be able to go to Brooklyn. That has never happened. Mm-mm. Like they, Ubisoft, it has promised so much for this game that it just flat out never delivered. Yeah, I thought we were gonna be eventually like working, you know, DLC. I thought we'd be like working our way up to Harlem. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was the whole idea yeah. was like to take back New York. Yeah, not just take back Manhattan. Was it? Wasn't that like the tagline? Like take back New York, or wasn't Maybe there something point... that they use for marketing? Like. Or like some kind of it's a jungle in there kind of I don't know, I think just at the very least not doing Central Park seems like a waste because that would at least be a different kind of gameplay. Yeah, it also give you a different environment instead yeah. of just like the urban concrete street. jungles. I mean, for me, this has been one of the more disappointing games of this generation. Yeah, I mean, I had a really good time playing it at the time of launch, but like I you know I put like probably fifty something hours into it, and then I was done. You know, it's just, it's. I know everybody says... I that, never played it that I much. know everybody... Yeah, you know, I got to the I got to the max level. I got the, the, you know, the... I didn't get the raid level gear, but I got it about as good gear as you're going to get at the time. Um, did a, I did a fair amount of Dark Zone stuff with my friends. Like, it was, I mean, I had my good time with it, but, like, I didn't have a problem walking away from it at the, at the end of that. Nothing has really popped up in terms of the new content to make me say, ooh, I've got to experience that. It's just not there. Like, this part of the game isn't there. Right. Like, all the, all this pre-promotion that they put into this game, like, none of it showed up, dude. Like, none of this aesthetic was in there. It was just, here's but a I bunch of dudes, go kill them. Now they have more hit points. Like Yeah, a lot of bullet sponge problems. And, like, it still doesn't look like, you know, like, remember the old demos of the engine? Yeah. Like, it never looked like that. It was it was another downgrade. I, I Watchdog style downgrade, I guess. I finished the primary campaign, went and did a little bit of Dark Zone stuff, just enough so I knew how it worked for the game eval, and I never went back to play it. Mm. Like, I just didn't care. It, I don't like games where you're just shooting the same stuff over and over again, hoping to get some rare drop or to just build grind levels. Mm. I just don't care about that stuff. Like, I think a lot of people don't care about this. I mean, that's the, that's the MMO element that I don't see any reason to bring into these shooters. Yeah. Just to call them MMOs, I guess. I mean, I don't know. if you think back on The Division, what is like a memorable moment from that game? 
We had some memorable moments, mainly in the dark zone, I would say. We're trying to get the gear out. And yeah, I mean, people, I have moments where be, you're trying to extract jerks. stuff, yeah. and it's like this crazy battle. And, you know, but was, I mean, like an I- iconic moment. Like, the only thing I can think of are, like, the flamethrower guys. The first time you meet them. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like it was just the same thing over and over again. And now it looks like this DLC is the same thing all over yeah, again. I mean, beyond... Uh... Like beyond the flamethrower stuff, that like that one first level with the big flamethrower boss at the end of it, uh, most of it is kind of a white and gray blur. Yeah. Um, and the dark. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff in the dark zone that we had, but it was a kind of like the more emergent fun that I'm sure wouldn't really function now uh, because they've changed that so much. Um, and also, like you know, that was all. It was also different than because we still believed at the time that like the stuff we'd get out of the dark zone would be worth anything. Yeah, you know, and that never turned, that never panned out. So after a while, we stopped going to the dark zone because we knew we weren't going to get anything of value. And you also knew that there were jerks in the dark zone who were just going to make your time miserable. Like every mm-hmm. time I went in there, I just got griefed by people, which I know that was kind of their intent. It's like. Why did you intentionally create an environment for people to grief other players? I think because a lot of games don't don't let that happen, so they were kind of experimenting with the idea, of like, well, if, what if we what if we let that happen and make that part of the game? And to some degree, it worked. You know, it was it, there, there's some nice moments where like there were you know there would be a couple jerks in the area we were running in, and we get to a, a pickup part, and like another group of people would be there, and there'd kind of be that standoff where everybody's like, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's really okay, we're all just here to drop off our gear. And you know there were moments. And then you got to do it. Someone shoots you in the head. Well, no, because like <laughs> we, we had things right. You know, you can only fit four. I think it was four packs on one airlift, and like so we'd have to call in a second airlift. And people, you know, we would stay to help the other guys, or people would stay. And like eventually, it'd be like you know six of us or seven of us on like you know two jerks running around, and like we would just kill them over and over. You know, and that was satisfying. Yeah, I guess it would be. But in the end, it didn't really get you any further in terms of the you know being able to handle the new content that I get you know but it's also like you hit that point where like I'm doing the raid to get the better gear so I can do the raid faster so I can get the better gear to do the raid to get the you know and it's, it's like at a certain point once you recognize that loop you're like mm, I'm just going to go play something else I was really excited for this game leading up to its release it's probably one of the games I was most excited for in this generation as well and I see I was kind of the I had no I didn't care about it at all and then I played the the beta they released, released yeah. uh, and I was like, oh, I really like this. It was fun. So I played the full thing, and I had a really good time. And uh, then that good time was over, and I have not felt the need to go back and give it another shot. And mainly because uh, there's just nothing, there's nothing that they've shown in terms of their new content that makes me feel like it's something I haven't done already. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next we're going to talk about BioWare. BioWare, two days ago... Went on record is saying that a Jade Empire sequel is not out of the question. Mm, somebody realizes a market in China. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe a little less in the stereotype department this time, but uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a fertile setting. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a viable franchise to bring back for a sequel after all this time? I don't know. I, it's probably my least favorite Bioware game. Really? Um, I did not. It didn't do anything for me. What did you not like about it? Uh, it was just, it was the KOTOR format, but, um, you know, it's not my least favorite, because I did like it better than Dragon Age 1. Yeah. Um, but similar to Dragon Age 1, I just, I could see the strings, basically. Um, it was just really obviously, you know, that kind of 3D permutation of the Infinity Engine game that, like, had the same sort of, oh, you're, you're uh, you know, part of this elite thing, and then the thing gets destroyed, and now you have to slowly finish your training as this thing, 
as you move along and the guy, there's a traitor who caused that to happen and you have to gather your allies and friends who are all really weird and, and disparate, but they all want the same thing in some way or another. <laughs> and now you got to go here, this part or this one of four places that gives, gives you a piece of the thing you need to get to the fifth place. And it's like, you know, it was, it was just really transparently the same thing I'd already played in the KOTOR games and, you know, the Baldur's Gates sort of had the same setup and it was just... And I didn't find the setting particularly compelling in the sense that, like... No, I would completely agree with it that. It didn't... It didn't. I mean, in part because, like, they were kind of, kind of experimenting with their sort of real-time kung fu combat, and it just didn't work. Well, we're seeing it right now. But, it, I mean, one thing you can say, though, is it is unique. Because, yeah. I mean, what other RPG is focuses on, like, hand-to-hand combat in kung fu? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, there's a reason why there's no yeah, other I mean, game it's hard. that does it. Just, well, it's you know, hard, and like, it seems like everyone has tried it, like Jade Empire, it didn't come out especially well. And for me, like, you know, I, like the, I do like the Bioware kind of format to some degree, but like, it worked better for me in Mass Effect, because it was you know, that, the, the sci-fi setting I'm interested in. It worked better in Star Wars, because I had a lightsaber. Yeah. And this one, it's like, it's like a kung fu thing, and I never had a tremendous... You know, affinity for that sort of the sort of the B movie kung fu setting uh, until El Rey Network came on the air a couple of years ago, and they play those old Shaw Brothers movies uncut and uncensored at night. Yeah. And I've watched a ton of those, and like they're terrible, but they're great. Yeah. You know, they're and so bad are good. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I should go back and try um, uh, that again. But like, it's just it was weird things where like I, you hit the point where like I think the the main like the early the traitor bad guy early on one of the other students is voiced by the guy who did Leonardo and Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah, Turtles, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you just sound like Leo. It's, it's like you just sound like Kaneda from Akira. I, I, I'm not buying you as like this sinister presence. Like you just sound like a whiny jerk. And, like, I, I it don't think it didn't work for me. I think they're bluffing. I don't think that this is equal to Jade Empire will ever come out. It I, seems like a weird thing to throw Bioware at at this point. I just think it's it's a game that could have been made when it was made, and now rationalizing mm-hmm. the amount of investment because the cost of development has just gone through the roof. Yeah, since and you're this also, game like, was released, you'd be leaning real hard on the Kung Fu Panda audience or something. Yeah, I, feel I like, mean, yeah, who do you sell this to? I don't like, know. I just. I think that they're just giving the fans some lip service. And it's also it's also like a landmine of you know of cultural appropriation complaints and yeah. and you know do you you know do you if you have uh, white actors voicing Chinese characters you're you're in the whitewashing department now like I just feel like it's a it like it's probably not worth the trouble it would be uh, to do it right and to do it well and to do it um, non offensively. I mean look I mean? Bioware's name has a lot of cachet. There's no denying it. But I even Bioware I feel like would have a really hard time selling the, mm-hmm. this concept in twenty sixteen or and I think as time goes on, yeah. it becomes even less likely that people are going to be into the concept. Although, to be fair, uh, Marvel Netflix is about to sell pretty much the same concept to some degree in Iron Fist. Really? In, in April. So it that's a big mystical kung fu action show. I mean that's what it is. That's what Iron Fist is. Hmm. Think Doctor Strange, except with more punching. Interesting. White, white guy goes to <laughs> mystical Chinese hidden city and learns the ultimate technique and becomes the best kung fu master ever. Like, that's basically what Iron Fist is, and that's their April Netflix show. So, you know, if that's big, it could start a resurgence in the whole, you know, he's, I mean, he, that character comes out of the 70s, uh, you know, kung fu fad. I just wonder, too, if ma- if many people who are playing games today ever played Jade Empire. 
because it's an old game. Somewhat, I mean, it has been free on Origin a bunch of. I feel like you could have probably gotten it free like a couple of times in the last few years, and maybe people played it that way. Or have they even heard of it? Like, mm-hmm. I have seen them giving it away on. Or I, I have it on Origin because I got it free as part of their like, oh, it's a free game. You know, we're giving it away today. So I'm like, okay, sure. And I think is it on iPad? Too? It is. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you know maybe people play it through that way. Um, I don't know. I mean. I don't hear people mention it much. No. I, could, I, I, I couldn't I, tell you much about it beyond that skeleton of a plot I just outlined for you. So, I enjoyed it for its time, but looking back on it now, I wouldn't want to play it again. Uh, my one and done, I'm one and done with that one. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they would probably end up having to make it so different. It's like, why even call it Jade Empire anyway? Yeah. like It's, it's not like the name carries any weight, and I think, you know... People tend to kind of say that games don't have this problem, but I think it. I think Titanfall Two had, you know, kind of maybe proves a little bit otherwise. Like slapping a two at the end of something when people haven't played the first one is a way to alienate people. It is a little more bit. Than, you know, just call it. Jade, I mean, maybe you could do Jade Empire colon subtitle. Yeah. And do it that way. But uh, I'd be surprised if they make the same. It's like, like they did with Dragon Age Three. Dragon Age Three was just Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, you're right. Because it doesn't look so much like you missed two p- two parts. Yeah. Oh, and also when you're talking about RPGs, it's like you know, it's very. Most people think when they think of an RPG, oh, it's going to be hard to jump into right. part three and know what the hell's going on. Right. If I haven't played the first two games, so that's a good point. Let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about a genre that used to be one of the biggest genres in the industry: snowboarding games. So part of the even larger genre. Action sports. Action sports, which used to be huge. Not like those traditional sports with no action. No action, yeah. <laughs> well, remember Activision created its own like lot, like imprint for yeah. its action sports games called O2, I think it was? Yes, yes. And they had like wakeboarding games and surfing games. Wake, wakeboarding Unleashed. And, and inline skating games. That was Wakeboarding Unleashed is the one where you did the, uh, the extreme, extreme tricycling. Yeah, yeah. Old, yeah, walking, walking Unleashed. Yeah. Walk- I remember that caused uh, tremendous gasping uh, at uh, when we moved to uh, the new building because we were under E's kind of legal supervision at that point. Yeah, and um, we wanted to re- it was our thousandth episode, I think. We were going to rerun a bunch, like our greatest hits, and we wanted to rerun that uh-huh. as part of it. And apparently, you know, back at Tech TV, it was just like, oh, it was a free for all. It was a free for all in terms of music use. And so, yeah. like, it was, if the music was in the game, well, the out rule is like you can use it in the review because it's editorial commentary. So you use music from the game, and the music you used was Van Halen. Yeah, yeah, I get away with that now. We showed, like legal <laughs> saw that like we like they're like you can't use Van Halen under footage we shot, and we're like, well, it's already aired. They're like, what? Like I mean, a million like, like, times. Yeah. <laughs> so just yeah, Tech TV was a was a TV making treehouse. It really of, was of just amazing proportions no one cared no yeah. one cared about any so so we had to change that yeah but um I, I always remember that like that was the heyday of extreme sports games that's yeah. whenever that was like the playstation because that's era. what you were making fun of was like we were we were doing a review for an extreme sports game every week at that point and that was the whole point i was trying to make in the review was what's next extreme right. tricycling or extreme right. walking like that's how ridiculous Kelly slater's pro surfer I yeah mean, i mean what, that's what's how, next that was how ridiculous it had gotten at that point or what's it what was uh johnny mosley's uh Mad tricks. Oh yeah, that's right. The skiing game. What yeah. if it snowed in San Francisco? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That's so freaking great, man. 
Johnny Mosley had a video game. <laughs> Don't did. forget about that. He That's did. pretty crazy. Everyone watching is like, who the hell is Johnny Mosley right now? And we're like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and back then, we didn't know who the hell he was either. So, <laughs> yeah. So it went through that period where extreme sports games were freaking huge, and then they just disappeared off the face of the earth. Like, Activision closed down O2. All those games went away, except for Tony Hawk. And then Tony Hawk turned into this bastard child with, like, goofy skateboard peripherals mm-hmm. and all this other garbage and so now like i don't know if you realize or not but there are three snowboarding games coming out in like the next 30 days so from (laughs) what happened that's what i'm asking did like a bunch of guys that grew up with those games like finally hit the point where they could green light stuff maybe they're like two of them are indie games Mm. um and then one of them is ubisoft steep Right, but the game has confused us for months now. Yeah, and uh, well, some previews came out this week, which is what made me think of this. The previews were, yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't negative. They weren't especially. Do people positive. really wear giraffe suits skiing these days? Is that a thing the kids I, do? I don't know. I haven't watched like a snowboarding video since I was like nineteen, so I have no idea. But uh, is this a huge mistake? I mean, Ubisoft has obviously put a ton of money into this game. I, I mean, I liked those the snowboarding. You know, if I was going to pick one of those action sports genres that I stuck with the longest, it would probably be snowboarding stuff. SSX Three is probably my favorite of those because it was just you know I know everybody likes Tricky and I do like Tricky, but I love Three because it was just it was just here's a mountain, yeah, go, and I loved it and. And, like, being able to start at the top and just go all the way down, like, it was, like, a 20-minute ride all the way down. It was great. It was, like, meditative. It wasn't particularly exciting most of the time. But I really enjoyed it. And so, like, this steep kind of looks like something I'd like to get into because it sort of seems to have that same philosophy that SSX3 did about you and the mountain. But I still can't really believe they made it. I can't Because, like, I can't imagine there's that many people like me out there who are interested in that. The other thing too is that any game that has multiple disciplines in the same game, right. it always right. sucks. It right, cuz I'm cuz I'm looking at the snowboarding here but there's also the skiing and the wingsuiting. Right. Which is like the wingsuiting so, by the one way. One of those in there is going to get the short end of the stick at the very least. The I already saw the wingsuit stuff and it's it just seems completely frivolous and pointless. You basically are just flying through slaloms in the air like mm-hmm. these kill him <laughs> <laughs> hit him in the head with the board i think the what what the problem was with the this genre in general the action sports genre is that they they got to a certain place and there was just nothing else they could do mm-hmm. like i would even argue that even like 1080 snowboarding had kind of, once they figured out how to handle physics to make it feel like you're really riding through snow which is what they did mm-hmm. in 1080 there wasn't really much after that. You just made it prettier after that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tricky, it was like the arcade style where you could link the tricks together. And, and Trick, SSX Tricky probably is my favorite snowboarding game of all time. There was Amped, which tried to take it the can, realistic route, can which we, can was we one of the most agree- infuriating games I ever played. Can we just agree that SSX Blur was one of the most disappointing things ever? Wait, was that the, uh, that was the Wii. Wii one? Yeah. I don't know, actually, man. I hated that one. I don't know. Just the, the presentation of it was just annoying. It kind of was, but the thing I loved about it was the nunchuck. Like, you could carve with the nunchuck. Mm-hmm. And if you got good at that game, like, you you could re- reach this other level of play. You know what I'm talking about? Like, mm-hmm. there are some games where 
you kind of break through the wall and you understand like how they're supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. And that game, there is this wall that once you smash through it, it turns into like a completely different game. I want you to hold on to that and remember that when we play Bloodborne. Okay. <laughs> because that's what you're describing there. <laughs> we'll see about that. But uh, I didn't, Blur wasn't... For me, for me, the game I would use to, as the example, the, the pure example of that, uh, is a game called Gun Valkyrie. Yeah, I've played Gun Valkyrie. Which is the same kind of thing. It's It's got this weird control scheme, and you don't quite get it at first, and at some point it clicks, and you're like, oh, this game is amazing. That was an Xbox game, That was right? an Xbox game by Sega. It was one of their... It was kind of like of that same genre as, like, Jet Set Radio, where you're like, I have no idea who this game is for, but I'm glad it exists. Yeah. Because it's, it's great. <laughs> There's another one, an inline yeah. skating game, Jet Set Radio. It was a part of that whole... Yeah, it had the graffiti thing going on, and then I... I yeah, a lot of people like the second one better, but I like the first one better because the graffiti was a more involved process. No, you're right. Yeah, you actually had to like put in. in there was a lot inputs. more manual control over the character in that, and that's you know like like you're saying on SSX Blur, it's like you either put the time in or you don't. SSX Blur had this weird sort of like graffiti style, like weird street art presentational way that like just bothered me. I don't yeah. know why I didn't like it at all, but I just I just didn't want to look at it. Dude, I went to the launch party for SSX Blur in Quebec, Canada, in the Ice Hotel. Oh. They had... That's there was cold. like, dude, like 18 people showed up for it. We had to fly into Quebec, get on this little plane, and then fly through a blizzard up to the Ice Hotel. Ooh. Dude, I've never nope. felt cold like that in my life. Our, len- our cameras froze up. Our cameras started getting, like, the spider webbing of ice across the lenses, <laughs> and then the mechanics of them started freezing, freezing up. We could only shoot for an hour at a time before we had to go back up to the lodge, put all the cameras in a room with the heater. My legs were, my feet were so cold, I could not feel anything halfway up to my knee. <laughs> I almost put my feet in the fire to, like, warm <laughs> them up. Literally, that's how cold it was up there. I've never felt anything like it. In the ice hotel, they have, like, a bar slash club. And there was a DJ in there playing records. This was back when DJs still played records. And the record froze, and the needle skated all the way across the record. (laughs) They could not play records in there. They served drinks. They had ice cubes, cubes of ice. They just drilled a hole in, and they just poured the liquor into the hole, and you just drank it out of the cube of ice. (laughs) They're like, you want to spend the night? People spent the night there. The beds were sheets of ice with buckskins on top of them. Insane, great experience to do once, but I'll never do it again. You know what? You know what? What I would rather do? Uh, I'd rather go to Hawaii and sleep yeah. on the beach. <laughs> Hell yeah! We are tropical animals. Yeah. Let's just let's just acknowledge that. But what was Ubisoft thinking with this game? I think maybe they're thinking that it's time to bring For it what? all back. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like. It's weird. Like I, I kind of respect it, but like I don't. You know gutsy. what they're doing, yeah. I mean, it's you know that's the thing is like people, people talk <laughs> about it between bravery and stupidity. Yeah, but I, people talk about how Ubisoft like never takes risks or it's just the same thing over and over again. No, they do pretty weird stuff periodically. People just it. forget because they come out, no one cares about them, and they go away. But like it's like I said, there's a thin line between risky and being stupid. And to me, risky is trying like a completely new thing. 
It's not bringing back something that was old that people have told you they don't like any anymore. Yeah, we'll talk to the people who made The Force Awakens about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> they made almost $2 billion. No, I, I get that. But, you know, I was one of the people... Granted, who... snowboarding is not Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, look. But... Yeah. It's not even close. And I did come out of The Force Awakens being like, damn, I just saw the same movie I saw back when I was like yeah. four years old. But that's better than the movie you saw in 1999. You're absolutely right. Touche. I don't know. Like I don't. I don't even have. Like I wouldn't even make a bet on this game. I don't know. Like, like on one hand, I suspect it will just sort of come and go, and no one will care. But like at the same time, like it wouldn't shock me. It's like, oh, Steep just sold crazy amounts of, of copies because really? for that some reason, surprise you? for some reason, it just caught. You know, I don't know. Maybe... I don't think this game sells more than three hundred thousand copies. Yeah. You think over or under on that? I don't know. Like I don't even know what they want out of this game. It's Ubisoft. I mean, they yeah, want millions, presumably. But you think that's who would think that's going to sell millions? Why would they put so much money into it if they thought it wasn't going to sell millions? Well, so who's the person in the chain of command there that's not like being honest with themselves? I don't know because like, Ubisoft does have games that it kind of releases on this like almost off-label version of Ubisoft right. that are these like lower budget games that they put out like they make games Looking of, at you just dance yeah i mean just uh, just dance like they make games for stuff like risk like the board game risk right. and like battleship and like they have this other kind of side label that they put that stuff out on they don't show that stuff at E3 mm. and they certainly do not close their E3 press conference with those games this closed their E3 press conference as like their big secret that they were waiting to unleash to the world i just i don't know they just really i mean it does look nice i guess they just thought that was all they needed maybe maybe it's because maybe it's going to be lucrative no matter how much it sells anyway because they've got so many sponsorship deals there there are a lot of logos in this footage that's for sure love me some red bull though yeah (laughs) i feel like we gotta go buy a gopro tonight (laughs) there's one right in there (laughs) all right let's move along so, as I said, got Dishonored 2 sitting right here, burning a hole in my hand right now. Can't wait to pop it in my PlayStation 4 and get playing tonight. Um, no reviews for it out yet. Nope. There was some people playing the PC version early. How did that happen? There's like some kind of a, an early access thing, that program that they have? or I don't know. Somehow works. people have been playing it for the last couple of days. Uh, there are YouTubers who have put up like the first four or five I hours. I have of it, it ordered on Steam. Maybe I should check to see if I can install it. I haven't. Didn't, didn't occur to me to look. I uh, found like a ton of videos on YouTube where people have been playing it, like up to the first like four or five hours mm. of the game. I felt a little jealous, I have to admit. But uh, reports are coming out that the PC version is having crazy problems. That uh, depending on the settings and the cards that you have um, and the resolution that you run the game at, it is almost borderline unplayable. Um, The problem is there's no reviews out there to tell you that. Right. (laughs) And why is that? Because they don't do that anymore. Yeah, because they don't do that anymore. Um, Do you think there's any chance that uh, they knew this all along and this is one of the reasons that, like, they've decided to... No. No? No. I think this is purely because Doom did so well without any kind of review stuff, and they don't think they need it anymore. You sure? Yes. I am pretty close to 100% sure, and I also feel like they don't care if the PC version doesn't work. Yeah. Because there's not enough PC customers to matter. You think? The money is made on the consoles every single time. 
Even for a game like this, you think? For sure, 100%. This thing will sell a fifth what it sells on consoles, on PC. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that, but... A bunch of pissed-off PC gamers are never going to change anybody's mind who owns a PlayStation, basically. Like, that's, that's the philosophy, and I think that's what they're sticking with. And also, I don't think they necessarily know this stuff doesn't work very well until it happens, you know? Like, this, I think but this, the PC version status probably didn't become clear that this is what it's going to be like when it launches... Uh, until probably after they decided to, to tell everybody they weren't sending out copies anymore. Well, PC um, development is a challenge. And also, let's in that not anyway. let's not forget that like you know stuff comes out early all the time anyway, and like they don't send the PC version out either. And it's not until the game comes out and PC people get their hands on it, they're like, hey, this doesn't work right. Yeah. And meanwhile, the PS4 and Xbox game versions have been out in reviewer hands for weeks, and but you don't get that from reviews because nobody reviews the PC version of things anymore. So. Yeah, I, I feel like this is a pitfall you're you're up against no matter what if you're a PC gamer right now. Well, the PC version, I'm assuming, just went on sale about five minutes ago. Okay. And I am sure that there are at least several thousand people who just bought the PC version and did not know about these issues. So I saw a lot of chatter online when Bethesda announced that they weren't going to allow early reviews anymore that were like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know. I know when I like a game. I know mm. when a game's going to be good. And here, like, the first example from Bethesda, the game's bor- a game is borked. It has all mm. these problems. So I just find it odd that, you know, it's kind of poetic justice a little bit, isn't it? Well, it's not going to matter, so it's not justice at all. You don't think it's going to matter? No. Well, I guess you could just return it if you buy it on Steam. You could, uh, but again, the PC version, the PC audience is not large enough to count. In that regard, like it's not going to matter to anyone. I don't anyone know. There's been a up. lot of stink over a lot of WB's PC games. Yeah, but like Warner and, Brothers. and Warner Brothers reacted to that. But Warner Brothers reacted to that with Arkham Knight because they couldn't get it to work. Yeah. Like you know, I don't think design. You know, it it seems to it's probably like an issue with like particular cards or particular GPUs uh, that can be fixed with a patch. I don't you know Arkham Knight they couldn't get it to work. Like basically they gave up and said anybody who bought it gets their money back. We're done. But how do you know that it won't be the case with this? Because it's it's not being reported like universally. It's all over the news today. No, people. I mean, people in the chat are saying it's a problem with the NVIDIA 10 series GPUs. That like it's not universal. It's not for every card. Well, no, I said that it's off the top, yeah. but it's like basic. But what I'm saying is like Arch- Arkham Knight didn't work on any anyone's platform. PC. Yeah, yeah. Like that's different than this. This is just you know. Another Bethesda didn't plan for some configuration thing. And I've been running that in a Skyrim, too. Like, there's certain dungeons I go into, and it crashes every single time on the same exact footstep. Really? You know? And so I just got to wait until they fix it. Well, I do think... Or until a mod fixes it, which is probably more likely. One thing I will say is I do believe that Arcane also developed a PC version of this. It mm-hmm. wasn't a case where they farmed it out to some other developer. So they don't have a... One, they don't have a scapegoat. But two, right. it does give me a little more faith that they're going to get it fixed. Yeah. I mean, I still also think, you know, that's kind of the price you pay as a PC gamer is, like... Uh, if there's one version that's going to get the short end of the stick, uh, it's going to be the PC version because a far fewer people buy it, and b it's way easier to fix it. Yeah, because the patch can go right up, you know, as opposed to going through Sony or Microsoft QA. PC development is tough. It is. I mean, it is hard because how do you account for all those cards? Oh yeah. And- you don't know until everybody, you know, this this guy has this processor running at this overclock speed match with this, you know, graphics card with these drivers. And you know, I had the same, you know, the same thing happened to me with uh, Battlefield 1 
uh, I upgraded to the new NVIDIA game-ready drivers with Battlefield yeah. One listed in it, and it wouldn't. It was running. Uh, it wouldn't. It was unplayable. Like it was. It would run. Uh, it ran at like 100 between 140 frames per second and 20. It would <laughs> it would drop and up and down and all over. Talk about VR making me sick. Stuttering all over the place, and I dropped I dropped the resolution to 720 and the 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 um, the graphics to low. Exact same performance. Wow. Couldn't figure it out. You know, disabled SLI. Did every, you know, everything. And in the end, I rolled the drivers back to the previous version. Ran like a buttery beast. smooth 130 <laughs> frames a second. Like it was. It was Great. like that was it. That was, and, I, and it's like, how do you, how do you not know that? Like, how do you not do that? Like, yeah. like and who knows what it was? Because I didn't see anyone else complaining about it. You know, the Titan X, like in all the benchmarks, was running great. And I was like, well, it can't be the. You know, at first I'm like, oh, I finally hit the first game that the Titan X can't handle fully. Yeah. But I was looking at the benchmarks, and it's like, no, it's. Yeah, it, I don't it was think that's possible. I think. It was the drivers, <laughs> and it's like, and no one else was complaining about that in all the forums and Reddit and stuff that I could find. So clearly, it was something about my configuration. And now I, I have updated the drivers since then, and it's fine. Yeah. But clearly, it was something about my configuration that was borking it, and. What what can you do? Yeah. Like you can't test it on everything. And it wasn't like I was like, ah, yeah, I want my money back. But I was like, okay, I'll just wait until it gets passed. It's just part of the game. Yeah. You know? Well, you're in a position where you have another game to play. Yeah. A lot of people also, aren't. A lot of people are like, I bought this game. But also I'm planning I was a- on playing this for the next month. But also, I was able to fix it by rolling the drivers back. Right. It just took hours to like of experimentation to figure that's part of the part of the deal. Yeah. I mean, I now don't it doesn't look like that is the case with Dishonored too. Um, but like. Yeah, again, wait for the reviews. Again, if the reviews even help, like how many people are going to review the PC version of this? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, a couple will, like RPS. RPS will, but and like PC Gamer both will. They're, yeah. they're why we curate them because they specifically. So, I don't think PC it's poetic versions. justice, but I think it will. You know, it might finally drive home the lesson of like, look, like if they're not going to release these things early for reviews, particularly the PC version of things, just hang on. Just wait a little bit. Well, it sucks. I wish we could. And be- I'm in the same boat. I ordered it. I pre-ordered it on PC, on Steam months ago because I wanted the definitive edition of Dishonored One, which I've been playing this week and I'm enjoying a lot more than the last time I played it because the load times are shorter on PC right. and that makes a big difference. It turns out. Well, I but- wish we could be talking about this game right now and telling people whether they should be going and buying it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's a huge hole in the show that we should be able to supply mm-hmm. to our viewers. Well, and- part of it is also that like, um, why is everything coming out on Friday this year? I don't know. I think this the whole people get off work Friday, they go pick up the game, they play it all weekend, go I on guess, social media. Like, stuff's come out on Tuesday forever, and now so all of a sudden the big stuff's on Friday. It does kind of make sense, though, in the new social media world, though, because let's say you buy the game on a Tuesday night. You get two hours mm-hmm. with that game. you got to go to sleep, go to work all week long. Like You get your little two-hour window to play. Put it out on a Friday. People get off work. They buy it on Friday night. And then they play it all weekend, and they are on social media all weekend, talking about it, uploading clips, mm-hmm. posting stuff to YouTube. You kind of hit that fear of missing out effect. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this keeps happening, like, going mm-hmm. forward, that these publishers are like, man, like, we're missing our launch window. It yeah. is kind of dumb, if you think about it, to release a game on a Tuesday. What, what mm-hmm. relevance does a Tuesday have at all? Friday makes... Way more sense. And if I were launching a hardware platform, I would launch it on Friday all day, every day, man. Because you just want... That's what it's all about. That's how Mm -hmm. things go from like, hey, that's cool, to oh my god, it's a sensation. 
is that launch window, getting that social media action going, all that pin action off of it. And you're not doing that when you're launching something on a Tuesday. Like, it just doesn't happen. So I understand the logic behind it. It is weird because we're just so conditioned for all the big stuff to come out on a Tuesday. But at the end of the day, I think it makes fiscal sense for a publisher. So mm. I totally it makes it awkward for us, though. It does, yeah, because now we need to move the show to Saturday. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's no real good time to do that then. There isn't, no. So... I guess you could do it Friday night because it stuff unlocks tonight, yeah. Thursday night. Yeah, we could do a show on Friday, and we, that would give us all day Friday. But we are too old to care about Friday night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I rarely go out on Friday night anymore. <laughs> I go out on Saturdays, and all the all the crazies go out on Friday. I go out on Saturday, but uh, I don't know. It's the problem with doing a show on a Saturday is that everything else is old news by then. Right. We're actually in kind of a good spot because one thing I'll say is that like. All the podcasts that came, or videocasts, whatever you want to call them, that came out over the last couple of days, they were talking about all the stuff we talked about in last week's Game Face. Like, we mm. were very lucky. We got in. We got to talk about BlizzCon. We got to talk about, like, some games that came out on Friday. Um, so a lot of the shows that I'll see next week will be redundant to what we talked about today. So I kind of like the Thursday slot, uh, to be honest with you. But obviously, Sifters, if you're hating it or you don't like it, it doesn't work for you, feel free to leave it in the comments. I know you will. Right, let's move along. This is a very quick short story. Uh, so Sony updated its Share Factory. Share Factory has turned out to be just sharing from consoles in general. Again, that whole social media thing. Sharing has turned out to be a huge thing with these new machines. Did you ever dream it would be as big as it is? Well, I don't use it. So You don't use it? <laughs> I don't really. You don't take it. screenshots and upload clips to Twitter and Facebook? No. Really? I, I, I did a little bit with uh, No Man's Sky. Uh, but then that became such it was such a hassle getting it over to where I wanted it because um, I didn't want to use Twitter or Facebook for it. So uh, I ended up just, you know, I, most of my screenshots and movie stuff is I use my I get it from my PC. I just went back and started looking through screenshots that I snapped from Uncharted Four, and holy cow, holy cow, I've completely forgotten um, that I had taken all these snapshots. I started looking at them. That game is like mind blowing. I, I don't just take snapshots of anything. Like, I wait until I get to, like, some crazy place and I'll take them. Mm. And, man, the screenshots I got from Uncharted 4 were just, like, mind-boggling how awesome yeah, was, I, I wish were. I'd had time to, to load it up on the Pro before the show to see yeah. how it looked. But uh, there's just no... They barely got it to me by 4, so there was no time. What I found that I do the most, though, is I usually upload clips and screenshots of glitches. Mm. Always when I find something goofy, like a, like an NPC with like an arm yeah. coming out of his ear, or well, like... I mean the the one uh, PlayStation Four video I have uploaded is the Swagosaurus Rex. Right, so right. I do pick my moments. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good point. That's, that's a good segue. So, Share Factory is obviously PlayStation's onboard sharing app, and before you could just share screenshots and video, but now they're taking it a step further with this update, and you can create your own animated gifs and memes. Your own dank memes. <laughs> what is it with the dank memes thing? What the hell is that? What? What is it? Dank memes. It's like dank weed. Why that's, is it? Why is that term though been associated with memes instead of something else? Like it's oh. like a thing. Like dank memes. Oh, yeah, like I, I, I think I read it in like a press release the other day. Oh yeah, it's that's years old. That, that really? Term. Oh yeah. I'm getting old, people. It was way back. <laughs> I'm not much younger than you. I, I had never I'm heard up on this stuff. <laughs> I had never heard. I mean, I had heard it before, but mm. I actually saw it used in, like, a press release. And I was like, A lot what? of times it's used ironically. It's like, oh, yeah, some, there's some dank memes, dude. It's like, it because, because it's like you're using, like, stupid old stuff it's that no like one wants cool to see It's like, cool story, anymore. bro, right. or whatever. Right. 
But now, like, sometimes it's also used, like, kind of more seriously, but in, like, an ironic sense of just, like, it's like you're kind of like, oh, yeah, look at that. There it goes. But, like, yeah, I mean, sure. So if you've... Who knows why these things... And I remember when owned became a thing. Yeah, you mean pwned. Oh, this is before it was pwned. It was just owned. (laughs) Back in the old M M player days. Well, owned was from, like, sports and, like, everything. Like, that's just, like, part of just a colloquialism. That guy got housed. Got housed. What does that mean? Uh, Did you build a house around him? Like no, you, I always you, said that because there's a, there's an old track called I Will House You. And it was like a battle track where house dancers would battle each other. And mm. so that's where I always thought it came from. I honestly don't know. Maybe. I think maybe it did start there. It probably did. I just It's always conjured an idea in my head of like, you like the man, like the guy you house is like unconscious and you just like build a cabin around him. Oh, you like, know what I know. think it came from? The Wizard of Oz. Oh, really? Like, drop a house on him? I think hmm. that's where it may have come from. That's just off the top of my head where I think it may have come from. <laughs> what do you think, Sam? That's just really random. <laughs> <laughs> think about it, though. You got house. This house just got yeah, dropped got on your... Yeah, the house dropped on you. <laughs> but I always thought it came yeah. from that track, but I, I think that's too obscure for it to ever kind of po- proliferate pop culture the way that that know. phrase has. But who knows? But so you've never this really... This has been internet culture analyzed by 40-somethings. Thank you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but only to us. Yeah. And our theory is that it was a almost 100-year-old movie. Yeah. <laughs> that it came from. That is great. <laughs> is really, that movie really almost 100 years nah, old? Nah, it's 1939. All so right. It's not, it's not... Not quite 100 years yeah. old. Only about another... It's almost 80. Yeah. It's getting there. That's great. So... You you don't really use the video capture and you don't use no. the screenshot tool. Will you ever use the dank memes? Yeah. Yeah. This was definitely this is definitely a tool for uh, the millennials. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's just like one of those things. For me, it's kind of like oh, I mean, I could do that, or I could keep playing the game. Yeah. I, I just don't. I could see myself making animated gifs every once in a while, like, I mean, just like yeah, a maybe. little quick loop depends, or something. It kind of crazy depends on the quality. That you I mean, get I've out actually of kind it. of done that anyway, just with the capture tool, just making the video really short. Yeah, I mean, if it I, just if doesn't I, loop. If I'd done that with Swagosaurus and put it on Reddit myself, I would have had gold by now. Yeah, but uh, that thing got two and a half million views. It's probably still it'll earn for a long time too. Mm. I mean, it, obviously there's a curve there, and it goes down with every day, but. That is so embedded in search engines and on forums everywhere. Like that mm-hmm. thing will just keep serving views. It's one that you you see it if you just put No Man's Sky into Google really? and, and videos. It's in there. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's, I would say it's one of the Little most well known. Little did you know? Yeah. Well, because it was in everything. It was, even the, even the honest trailers used it. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I mean, I guarantee you, Sean Murray has seen it and hates it. Oh yeah. And, I, and I'm like, I didn't put it up there to be mean. <laughs> I just thought it was cute. I thought he was adorable. But uh, I, I look. I still love this. I love that uh, Sony didn't rest on its laurels. I love the Xbox Record That feature. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. But like, I've disconnected my Connect now, and I don't really have the feature anymore. It's <laughs> yeah, like same. It's like the only thing it was. It wasn't that for. great. What that feature? It oh, that it's worth. It wasn't great enough to keep the Connect up. Yeah. The only reason I disconnected my Connect is because I thought it was borking my console. I've been having problems with my Xbox One. Won't turn on. It's just trying to help. Yeah, <laughs> it's still doing it. I'm having problems. It won't turn on. Like I think my power button went bad, and like I have to keep mm. touching it at different angles, and finally, like it will turn the thing on. I have a thing where, like, periodically, and I don't know, I haven't figured out what the pattern is, but you know, I turn my systems on by pressing the thing on the controller from the couch, yeah, right? Yeah. 
periodically it won't work. It won't turn on with the controller. I have to go press it. And when that happens, I, my console won't turn on. What is? Why does it do that? I don't know. The 360 never did that. I don't know. The PlayStation it just loses 4 doesn't the sync do between the controller and the why? hardware. I don't know. How do you? Like you, ha- so much about the Xbox One. It's like, dude, you had it. You had it right. Like you, it, it all worked, <laughs> yeah. and then now it doesn't. I, I don't get it. And every time I turn it on, it needs a three point one gig update. And how many times can you do that? I know it updates a lot, a lot. Yeah, I used to like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> about the Xbox. I used to say, oh, the Xbox Three Sixty like updated in a, twice. By as the often fourth day as... in a row, I get the, they got a three point one, three point three gig update for the every time I just want to turn it on and play some Forza Horizon Three, and I'm just like. Are you not? Inst- I mean, I, I get to the point where I'm like, is this the same update? Or am I just like not installing it properly? Yeah, like, what's it's going like on? Like, I, in the, yeah, I don't, I don't get what's going on there. I don't get it either. But uh, I like that they have the consoles have this feature, even if maybe they're not for us. Yeah. And I also like there's that, no reason not to have it. Yeah. And I mean, look, Sony's done this. It's updated Share Factory. It's live now. We haven't got any update like that for Xbox. No. I, in fact, I question a lot of the updates we've got for Xbox, like how they've prioritized. The updates. I mean, they. It's like you said, basic features from Xbox 360 still mm-hmm. haven't made it to Xbox One, and they keep adding all this frivolous crap that I don't even care about. Like I, I don't know who's prioritizing. Well, they just shifted the entire layout to be vertical instead of horizontal, which is it's almost the same layout, just rotated. No, it's the holiday update, Matt. Everyone's got to get it. <sighs> I mean, that just reminds me I should turn it on when I get home so I can update again. Like it's, you know. uh, it, it does need to be updated. Well, if you're on the preview program, you already have it. Were you in the preview? Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about it. I don't know. Well, I don't remember the last time I turned it on, though, so I probably do need it. That might be part of the problem, too, is that we're both in the preview program, which is going open for everybody, by the way. Mm-hmm. They just announced that this week, that everyone's going to be a part of the preview program. It's going to be called, in, like, In Xbox. which case, it's just a program. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they gave it another anymore. name or, or whatever. But I think maybe that's why we're getting updates more than others, because we're in that thing. I don't a little know. Tweaking the, maybe it is the same update with little tweaks. They're just redoing the whole thing. Could be. It's kind of mean to make me download the three-gig update four times, but okay. Do you participate in that preview program stuff? Do you go in and, like... Do all the stuff they ask you to do? Like the first couple times, yeah. yeah not anymore. I, I, don't even know, I don't even see it anymore. And I think that's why they probably open it up to everybody else. Because right. they're probably like, these people aren't doing anything anymore. I mean, there's only so many people, and we're not getting the feedback we need anymore. Yeah. The only person filling the, the, filling the quizzes out anymore is Joe. Joe. <laughs> Joe in Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's move Demographic on. Demographic of one. Yeah. Let's move on. Another uh, leak that happened this week. A new Need for Speed called Need for Speed Arena is allegedly mm. in development. It was caught at a trademark office website. Do we need another Need for Speed, Matt? Um, I would like one day to see a Need for Speed as good as the original Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit. So, yes, keep trying. I still think... I was kind of hoping by this point they'd have given up on Need for Speed and let Criterion make another burnout, but I guess not. Burnout is apparently gone. Well, the Need for Speed that we're looking at right now, I thought it just killed it off. Like, I was like, was oh, this, that's was done. This the last one? Yeah. This came this out last called? year. It's just called Need for Speed. Really? It was their reboot, yeah. Another reboot? Yeah. Wow. This was one of the first Because I liked, I liked uh, Rivals pretty well, and uh, whatever the one before that was, Most Wanted? Was that Most Wanted? No. Because it was Rival. What was the... Was it Carbon? No, that's old. No, that's old. Because it, it was like the launch... Next gen launch one, was that Rivals? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then there was another one, which was Most Wanted. Yep. Which had already been used before. Yeah. <laughs> Way back in the day. And then because four was Most Wanted, or another one was Most Wanted, and then because then the Hot Pursuit was before that by Criterion, and that was 
a remake of 3, Hot Pursuit. Um, this game, by the way, had never, never raced in the daytime. Oh, really? Wow. Because Ri- Rivals was the open world one. Yeah. yeah I, I like that one okay. Um, I like the open world ones more than the than the other ones, kind of. But like my favorite one is still Hot Pursuit 3, or Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit on uh, PS, PS, PlayStation 1. Yeah, PlayStation yeah. 1. And PC. Because yeah. um, like, I like those old point-to-point tracks they had, which were like crazy weird, like Atlantica, which was like some kind of weird, futury underwater city kind of thing. Yeah. And all that. I love all that stuff, and it was it just they never they never really recaptured that. But like three, uh, Porsche Unleashed on PC was amazing. Uh, four, uh, Most Wanted was pretty good. Um, and then they kind of wandered off into weird places and started trying to be Fast and the Furious without the license. Yeah. Um, and then they just, it just, th- th- this series has been fumbling for over a decade at this point, it feels like. It's trying to find what works <laughs> and they can't make a decision. I feel and then, like, like you had things like The Run, which was just like, what? Like, you, who wanted the story driven Need for Speed game exactly? It was so bad. It was so freaking bad. I mean, now that I have Forza Horizon 3. Yeah, that I have no much, reason to have another Need for Speed. It does that does pretty much scratch the same itch. It does everything, but it, that's what I'm saying. Like it is like the racing game for everyone. Like you can even set it up so you, it's like all simmy if you want to. Mm. Like obviously it's not going to go as far as like Forza Motorsport in that regard, but it's pretty darn close. And on the flip side, it's like it has a crazy collection of cars. You can race cars like this supercar that's got everything off road like. And look, I realize not everyone has an Xbox One, and so, you know, some mm-hmm. people need games like this so that they have that option on their plate. But, man, if you've got an it's Xbox like One... wait for Gran Turismo to show up. Yeah, I mean, who knows when that's going to happen at this point. But, you know, if you've got an Xbox One, just buy Forza Horizon 3. You don't really need to buy another mm-hmm. racing game, like, maybe ever. But, like, I just miss... I like, I like Need for Speed back in, the, back in the day when it was, like, a little more fanciful and a little more arcadey. And wasn't quite as worried about how extreme it could be, and and how many like racing girls would lean into your window and say how cool you were, and all that stuff. It's just like, what it was just like, we're gonna make interesting, weird environments and tracks, and run like some hot Ferraris down it, and like it's gonna be super fast, and maybe the turning isn't particularly realistic, but it's sure gonna be cool. Yeah. And then the cops are gonna chase you, and they're all it's, and like I think Hot Pursuit on the PlayStation One still holds up. Oh yeah, for degree. sure. Like it's still good and. So same with like you know, and, and and the difference can be as minor as a particular developer's take on it. Because you remember, um, which one was it? Well, I think it was Most Wanted, where there was a PC version and a, an Xbox version, and that was one game by one. And then the PS2 version was by Black Box, and it was a totally different game, and it was awesome. Oh yeah, you yeah. remember which, that? Yeah, which one was that? I think though? that was Most Wanted. I want to say there's the original Most Wanted 4. No, no, no. Yeah. Not was, the original Most Wanted. The original Most Wanted is like a PC game from like forever ago. Early 2000s. It was around there. I want to say it was Most I Wanted. I thought it was in the 90s. No, no, no. No, this was, this was Xbox One, PS2, and PC. And the PS2 version was a totally different game from the other one. Huh. Uh, it was faster. Maybe it was that's crazier. Carbon. It wasn't Carbon. Carbon was a... Was like an underground racer, Fast and the Furious kind of thing. This was this was a standard Need for Speed game. Huh. It was maybe the last of the standard because this was that was the game that got Black Box basically the lead position in the Need for Speed franchise. 
and they were the ones who they like EA was their they were their go to developer. For, you know for what I just realized? What is a good arcade racer for PlayStation Four? I can't think of any. Is there a Ridge Racer? No. No. Like if you turn all the assists on on Drive Club. <laughs> Actually, why didn't Need for Speed sell then? Maybe nobody wants it. Nobody wants arcade racers. Or maybe nobody trusts Need for Speed anymore. Maybe? That blows my mind. There is not a good arcade racer for PlayStation 4 yet. That's Chat. What I can think of. There's got to be one. Black Box 2005. Yeah. I think I want to say that was... Yeah, I want to say that was uh, most wanted, but maybe it wasn't. I think it was. I am shocked that there's not a good arcade racer yet for a PlayStation 4. That's pretty crazy. Because Need for Speed ended up settling in around like a 6 in Metacritic. I forgot it came out. Yeah. Because the problem is their first party studio is creating rigid simulations and Mm. not creating like arcade style stuff. Well, also, I just. Ditch it and go back to Burnout, for God's sake. Yeah. Like, why are you still trying to compete with stuff like Forza Horizon when, like, you don't have the chops for it? Just go back and make Burnout again. Burnout was... Because Burnout is at least unique. Burnout is different. Oh, by the way, I mean Burnout, like, 3. Like, not like... I didn't like Burnout Paradise because it wasn't Burnout to me. It was just one of these games, yeah. basically. Uh, and bouncing along the road as a wreck with, like, analog control is not a replacement for crash mode. Yeah. Um, but look, I can see where EA... Now I can see why EA would make another Need for Speed. Because there is a Theoretically, huge, no competition. Yeah, there's a huge system. gaping hole. And look, EA is the type of publisher that will do the research to figure that out and right. be like, hot damn, we just hit... <laughs> but you know what would sell over Need for Speed? Burnout. It like, would, people are waiting... Yeah. You want to talk... You know, forget steep. You're waiting for something to come back from the 90s? Burnout. I think the problem is a lot of the developers that worked on Burnout are gone. Maybe, but Criterion's still now there. Now they're making, like, extreme golf games. <laughs> wow. I mean, Criterion's still there. There's got to be some pedigree left. Well, a lot, that's what I'm saying. A lot of the guys who were on that Burnout team left to go start that indie studio. Mm-hmm. But I'm also saying, it's like, look, at this point, what? Like, the heyday of Burnout, you know, the people... Burnout who, 2 is yeah, the heyday of Burnout. 2 and 3 were the best, for sure. And I'd say, like, the people who were, like, 12 and twelve to 15 when that came out are in their mid-20s now, so yeah. maybe they could make one. They yeah. know why they liked it. They know what made it good. It's true. Hand it to the younger generation. See if they can make a burnout that's for the ages. I feel like this whole episode has been, this is, like, the games that shouldn't be episode. <laughs> we talked about Metro. We're like, why would they make another one of those? We're talking about Need for Speed. We're like, why would they make another one of those? Uh, it's just been one of those episodes for whatever reason. But it's time to move on. We were talking about Japan a little earlier with Xbox, and I'm just wondering if maybe the reason that they're sticking around in Japan is because Japan's tastes in games have started to drastically change, Matt. They have started buying first-person shooters. Hmm. The last Two out of the last three weeks, the top-selling game in Japan has been a first-person shooter. First, it was Battlefield 1. It debuted with like 100,000 in its first week. And now Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, just on the PlayStation 4, did 120,000 in its first week in Japan. Destroyed Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. 
I think Dragon Ball had like 60 or 70,000, hmm. and Call of Duty did like 120 in its first week. Hmm. What's going on? Did a bunch of people from the UK move to Japan? <laughs> we might be moving to Japan. <laughs> Things go really south. People are talking about moving to Canada. Screw that. I'll move to Japan. Hmm. But we would choose Canada over Japan. And I would choose California. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Why do you think this is? Do you think maybe it's like esports, or do you think it's like because look, Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Was it Splatoon kind of like the first game to kind of turn the tide a little bit? Maybe because it became a hit. Like it's one of like the only real like out of the blue hit. From the last few years in Japan, like as far as like a new franchise that really caught on and people loved, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if Splatoon was the gateway drug, and they play a little bit of Splatoon and they're like, wait a minute, this is kind of fun, but mm-hmm. what's up with these other games? Somewhat. I mean, there might be a little bit of runoff from Overwatch on that too. I don't know how Overwatch is doing in Japan. Uh, I don't know actually. I never did see the sales for that, but um. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Like, suddenly it's like, oh, these are pretty good. I wonder what these are like. Yeah, that could be happening. I mean, you go to... Also, Jap- uh, Infinite Warfare is crazy enough Yeah. You know, to, to, to get some attention from a kind of a sci-fi fan in that general regard. And there's also some fascination, I think, with the world wars over there, as I, as I understand it, because there's not a lot of history taught about those, those things over there. Yeah. Um, I certainly remember going over... Uh, it was in 2003 for TGS, and that was when... Um, EA was showing um, the their Pacific uh, uh, Assault. Pacific, I can't remember. It's, it wasn't Ally Assault. Pacific Assault was that the PS2 shooter? Something. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was Medal of Honor. Uh, was that the one where the people would pop up from under the ground? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was Pacific. The... Yeah, from the little foxholes. Yeah. yeah. That, I think it was Pacific Assault. Was that I think it, it rising, was. Or it was Rising Sun or something like that. It was, it was something like that. But it was, I think it was Rising Sun, actually. Yeah, but it was set in the Pacific Theater. Yeah. And so at, it was at TGS. They had all these signs everywhere. There were these Japanese uh, guys, uh, you know, like the models higher, and they're walking around in U.S. Marine outfits and yeah. stuff. And finally, I turned to... It was confusing the hell out of me, basically. And I turned to um, our audio guy, who was a, like a 60-something-year-old Japanese guy, a local crew, and I said, can I ask you, like, something? He's like, sure. He's like, I'm like... How do you sell that game here? It's like, you know, because in America, it's like a rah-rah, like, you know, go fight the enemy. the enemy. We were the good guys thing. And here it's like, what? Come buy this game and kill your grandfather? Kind yeah. of thing? Like, like, it's, like, I don't that understand. game was insensitive Like, I don't understand well. how you sell that here. And he said, um, he said, well, it's because here it's like that war happened to somebody else. Oh. Like, it's not taught here. Like, we, they, you know, like the Japanese youth don't really know what that was or what we did. And he's like, "Did you re- do you remember that movie um, Pearl Harbor?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course." He said, "That was a big thing here because, like, the youth didn't know that it was real, that it was that it actually happened. So they went to see it to find out what this whole thing was about. And the government was very upset that these kids were finding out that this was part of the history of of World War II of Japan because they try to not." Talk about it as much as they but can. But Japan has changed drastically. Yeah. So like, so I, so like, and I remember that. I'm just like, because I remember also being confused. Like, why would you even try to release a first-person shooter here? Because it doesn't seem like a genre that anybody cares about. I mean, look, um, so, Infinite Warfare right now is one of the best-selling games of the year yeah. in Japan after one week. So I'm, so I'm wondering. Never if, thought I'd. So ever what I'm see saying that. is like maybe Battlefield One in its historical kind of spec, you know, spectacle has a similar interest to some players over there that you know didn't get that. 
part of the history unit, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's a similar appeal to it here because World War One is just not particularly focused on, uh, even in America. Um, it's ne- never. So, because it's always just sort of that thing that happened before World War Two, yeah. you know? Um, and like... Well, yeah. a lot of it has to do with just the inability to really record the history of it. Yeah, most, a lot of World War II is on film. Yeah. Diff- yeah, it makes it very different. And World War One, it's like photographs. There might be a couple grainy videos. Oh, there's, yeah, there's footage. I mean, there's, been, there's enough footage to put together a couple of History Channel specials, for sure. There's yeah. been stuff like that. However, also, a lot of World War One is just like everybody's in this one little 30-square-mile part of France and just kind of goes back and forth in the mud and everybody gets trench foot and that's the end of it. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, World War Two is like, you know, I mean, Star Wars came out of World War Two. Like, you know, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a battle of good and evil and it's the last great major, you know, it was... Hopefully. Well, yeah, but like... I'm starting to wonder. It's, uh, you know, World War Two, And also, like, you don't have any questions about who's good and who's bad in World War Two. You know, like, the Nazis are like the perfect enemy because you don't have to... Think about it, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like with World War One, you're like, well, why was the Axis doing this? And like, you have to get into like kind of like 300 years of, you know, inter inter kingdom warfare and and backbiting political problems that kind of led to you know that became this little boiling pot that all got set off when an archduke got shot. You know, right. it, it was like it's not nearly as clear cut as like, oh, this crazy dude with a mustache uh, that he stole from Charlie Chaplin invaded <laughs> Poland, and we all had to get in that shit. Yeah. You know, it's it's a different thing, and like. You know, maybe there's just the novelty of that combined with, like you say, the more willingness to, to look at these competitive shooters as influenced by Splatoon that's causing a little more people to kind of say, oh. And also, again, not a type of game you can get mobile. Oh, yeah, you're you right. Know? Like, that's not something you can play on your phone properly. So, like, it, it's a more unique experience. Talk about late to the party. Japan is really late to the party on first-person shooters. Hey, better late than never. But imagine... Like, and imagine if you just got into first-person shooters, if you're a Japanese game player. Imagine how much you have to play That's now. what I do. <laughs> Not only that, but it, like, you know, for us, it was like a gradual thing where mm-hmm. like they add these features and these ideas to each successive shooter till we get to where we are now. Mm-hmm. They just went from like zero to like a thousand. Like yep. there's, they don't have any of those warm up games that we had. Yeah, you know what <laughs> I actually crazy. dug? I was digging through a box because I have tons of physical copies of PC games that I now have replaced digitally. I had a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm so I'm like dig, I'm digging through gone. my box again to find like you know stuff that I don't need. You know, I don't need to keep the discs of games I have on Steam or GOG. Right. To you know, so I just like, and I found my old copy of Medal of Honor Allied Assault. And I was like, oh, I should install this and see if I could... Why? Yeah, like, why would you do like, that? Because <laughs> it's like, it, it kind of hit me. It's like the, the appeal of shooters, at least for... At least if you've gone through the Western, you know, you know explosion of shooters, as an apt term, but like... Yeah. <laughs> part of it is just the advance of technology and how much better everything looks and plays as you move forward. So, like, going back to Medal of Honor Alley Assault would be a pure nostalgia trip rather than, like... Oh, it's still fun to play. It's more like, oh wow, look how far we've come. Well, that's why Call of Duty Four is uh, was quite a, such an achievement, right? Because I can still go back and play that today mm-hmm. and enjoy it. And in fact, I've been enjoying it a great deal. So I think, and I think that comes out. You know, like uh, I don't remember when or even who did. I think it was it was either Miyamoto or Ken Lobb. But basically, when they were talking about the making of uh, GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, was the idea that. Um, when we, they originally started making it, they just made it with like blank 
polygon model. You know, and basically, like, they made sure it was fun. They made sure it was fun to play, even if it looked like nothing. Miyamoto's been doing that forever. And like, like he does that with Mario games too. And he just makes Mario a square, and he's like, right. if it's not fun to control the square. It's yeah. not going to be fun to control him whenever he's actually And I think, animated. like, Modern Warfare, especially the remastered one, kind of proves it's like that gameplay holds. Yeah. You know, it's still, it still feels good to draw that bead and make that headshot. For sure. So, I love it. I love that Japan's spreading its wings. Um, God knows we don't need any more, like, Vita JRPGs. I think there are plenty. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that... What happens is the Japanese become more interested in this genre, and then some of the Japanese developers start making some shooters. Uh, we've got a few here and there. There's that Ghost in the Shell, like, free-to-play game is coming out. But Japanese-developed first-person shooters are very rare, and so I would love to kind of see them put their perspective and their spin on that genre. And, I mean, Splatoon. There's, I guess there's a good example of what happens when the Japanese develop in a genre that they're not typically developing in, and it's a great, it's great, you know, it's really an interesting mm -hmm. shooter and something different. So, um, I hope that their culture keeps accepting the shooter, and that ultimately it'll convince some of the developers there to start creating yeah. some games in that genre. So, and then it might be worth buying an Xbox or two. Now there you go for Halo. That's right. If Halo ever gets worth playing again, yeah, <laughs> that's a big if. It seems like. All right, let's move on to the last topic of today's show. And the biggest topic of today's show as well, undoubtedly the biggest story, the biggest thing that happened this week, Mass Effect Andromeda blown out for the first time, really. Can you believe... First real trailer. Yeah. Can you believe that we've known about this game all this time, and we just now got a real trailer? Well, I can... Yeah, yeah. I can believe Really? It. I don't... For a game that's coming out in, like, allegedly, in, like, five or six months... Well, I mean, that's pretty much how Bethesda rolled with Fallout 4, but yeah. like, um, but granted it was more rumors rather than confirmation, you know, they hadn't talked about it, but it's like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing EA moving to a more, you know, compressed timeline when it comes to releasing their preview content. Uh, maybe this comes from that, like, two-year period where I think I did so many Dragon Age previews that I don't remember how many there were. It must have been 15 Dragon Age previews inside of, like, one year. Because like EA, you know, EA just wants to build and build and build that mindshare, and so by the time the game comes out, you're kind of sick of it, um, and like kind of compressing this into like you know not having to watch Mass Effect Andromeda footage uh, until you know within a year, you know, a year or less of the game coming out. I'm kind of in favor of that. So I guess I'm kind of surprised in the sense that I wouldn't have thought EA had it in them. Yeah. But like, I don't disagree with the thought. So what do you think, Matt? We've been waiting a long time for all this information. It looks cool. It doesn't look particularly like Mass Effect in some ways. Um, hey, Sam, roll the uh, first clip that we have there. But I'm interested. One. Yeah, it's called uh, B-roll, I think it is. Um, are you interested in it? Yeah. I mean, I still have the same skepticism over the characters in the story. Like, that's what I'm here for. Um, but it certainly looks nice. Uh, it seems like this is going to be a, a showcase for kind of the, the PS4 Pro... Uh, 4K thing. Um, yeah, I, I remain... Much I mean, like look, last, look, much last, last Guardian, I remain hopeful but skeptical. I won't know until I play this thing. I mean, lots of details. Yeah. Shown off for the first time. It's the Bioware... Or they're saying that it's not the beginning of a trilogy. No, you're... you're I think, what was it, like they're... They're probably going to make more, but they won't all necessarily have you playing as the writers... Basically. Isn't that 
crazy though? I mean, it's, it's not, not really. That crazy. It's only crazy when you think about them because that's how they do things. But most games tell one story mm-hmm. and then they move on for the sequel. I mean, especially when a game's like yeah. 50 hours long, you can definitely satisfy yeah. a story arc in 50 hours. It also does not surprise me in the sense that they, I'm sure they do not want to do the whole your your decisions carry over for two more games thing because they barely pulled it off in the last one I mean, and nobody was happy with it, it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But that's the thing. It's like, yes, it was disappointing that, that you know your decisions didn't factor directly over the course of three games and directly factor into what the ending was. But in terms of how three played out... That took into account over a hundred different like little variables, and that's you know I played I've played through these things three separate times, and three was surprisingly different in many ways depending on what I'd done in the previous games with those different characters. It still came down to the same pick a color ending, but like in terms of what the you know what the third game really paid off in terms of you know all those decisions with those individual characters over the course of the, of the game, it was pretty impressive. But I can understand why you would not want to try that again. Well, they haven't gone on... I, I think somebody asked them if their saves will work in this game. Mm. And they were non-committal. They didn't say no. I don't see how that would matter, though. Because, like, they leave... I think the, 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 the expedition to go out to, uh, to Andromeda, it's, it starts, like, ten years before the Reapers show up in Mass Effect 1... And they leave, like, right around the time of Mass Effect 2, I want to say. So, like, I feel like whatever Shepard did isn't really going to matter. Like, they've been in a sleeper ship for 200 years, basically. Like, what's it going to change? Relationships, maybe? Of what? Like, no one in this ship is going to know what happened back then. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. They're in another galaxy. Like, there's very few places you could be further removed from what happens on Earth <laughs> than another galaxy. Yeah. Like, they're never going to know what happens on Earth ever again, basically. There's, like, communication would take years. Do you think that's a good idea? Probably. I mean... Really? I mean, I'd rather them not try to build on the Shepard thing. Don't um, you feel like, though, us as human beings who are playing video games, that in games like this, at least for me personally, I always feel like I want to know what's going on or have some kind of an attachment to earth well we do know what happened like because the at the end of mass effect uh you've got that little little vignette thing where buzz aldrin's terrible voiceover tells you you know it turns out that the mass effect games were a story being told to uh, some by some old guy to his grandchild like hundreds of years later when Shepard had become a legend more than a historical figure uh, possibly around the time that they arrive in Andromeda, 200 years later. Um, so we know that basically it all worked out pretty well, and huma- humanity or, or sentient life is still around in some form, and they tell stories of the shepherd, and the shepherd's a hero, so apparently the Reapers didn't kill everybody, so I guess we're good, you know? Like, that's all we need to know, and I, and frankly, like, I like Mass, even with the disappointing ending, I love the Shepherd trilogy in Mass Effect so much that I'd rather they just step away from it. And le- I mean, I would rather this not be called Mass Effect, but, like, if you're gonna continue to the brand, well, I agree they need to get away from the story. Like, arc just, that they did, yeah, they jump to another galaxy, they've brought the races that everybody likes with them so they can populate the new galaxy with Asari and Turians and Solarians and whatever. And and now it's a clean break, you know. It's it's like you don't have to worry about the old continuity. We can just tell stories with these the same kind of interdim- you know interpersonal dynamics and interracial dynamics on a galactic scale. And we have all these new things we can explore because we're not tied down to what happened in the other games. And like we have to like you know acknowledge oh the Geth are in this part of the galaxy and the 
the Turians are over here, and this is, you can do whatever the hell you want, but you still kind of have the trappings that people like from Mass Effect. So it's probably the smartest way to go. It's a clean break. I mean, the one thing I would say about the footage that they've shown so far is it doesn't appear that there's any, like, civilization, I guess is the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. It just seems like you're out in these far-flung, like, alien planets, but there's no home. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Is it like, when you play games like this, I feel like I need to have an attachment to some place that feels like home. Well, your home is going to be that colony ship. Right. right? That, but that's not a home. That's sure it is. That's just like a hunk of metal flying through, the, through space. It's like, their home. That's what it, I mean, Right, well, it takes 200 years to get somewhere or yeah. whatever, but... And you're going to probably upgrade it and do all, you know, all the usual mother base stuff with it, but like... That's fine. Uh, but I mean, I... Your ho- like, I mean, in Mass Effect, your home is the Normandy. Yeah. And you're getting a ship that's like the Normandy, they've said in this, because they recognize that that was sort of your home base idea. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure they're, they're going to give you all the, all, the, all the trappings, all the, all the settings, all the dressings of Mass Effect in some, you know, shifted form of, of, or another. Uh, you even got a, a generic title. The, you're the Pathfinder. Yeah. You know? It's all this, you know. You, you, you it sounds like destiny, is what it sounds like. You were the shepherd. Now you're the pathfinder. Yeah. Later will be the the harvester or the reaper, or the fallen. Yeah. <laughs> or exactly. the or the vex. Yeah. Or the or the watcher or the sphere or the traveler. Everybody likes definite articles in these space games. Apparently, there's, everything's the something. Yeah, I wonder if fans will be disappointed that there's no connection to the old games. I mean, I know you're a fan, obviously, but I talk about like the more casual folks who. Yeah, it, I mean, I think it's connected enough. It's got you got the N7 logo. That's all you need. You're fine, you know. <laughs> It's, it's the same, similar I mean, kind of gameplay. I mean, honestly, if it weren't for that N7 logo, though, I would have no idea this was the next Mass Effect, really. Or the Nomad. The Nomad is a pretty good mm-hmm. tell. Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, at the same time, I take that as a positive. Because, yeah, again, I, I, don't want, be. I don't want them to try to mess around with what they already did. It's fine. And they barely got through it as it was. Yeah, it was a... So, they yeah, drag their asses across the finish line. step away, turn this way, and go that direction, and this is what we're going to do with this franchise from now on, and that's fine. If they don't want to make it a trilogy, and they want to make this one about the Ryder family, and then the next one will take place in the Andromeda Galaxy, like, you know, whatever years later, and we'll get to see how that all evolved, and we're going to be a different group of people, or a different set of twins, or whatever we want to do here. Uh, great. Like, that's a good way to go about it. We have completely forgot to mention, the game looks absolutely stupid. Stunning. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The graphics in this game. Like I said, this is going to be a game that makes you happy you bought the Pro. Yeah. Unless you're playing it on PC. Holy moly, man. Like, that's some. this game is some next-level stuff, provided all this stuff is real-time, I mean, yeah. which I think it is. Yeah, EA doesn't doesn't run bullshot footage too much. Yeah, Individual don't. shots, yeah. Like yeah. Screen, <laughs> screenshots, I yes. think it may be actually, like... The the original genesis of the bullshit. Oh, it is the Madden, think... the Madden screenshots were, were that. But footage, they're usually pretty honest. Footage, about. Uh, <laughs> great timing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why this couldn't be real as far as like a 4K PC or or the Pro. But, you know, hell, those Horizon Zero Dawn shots from the Pro look they look like bullshots in motion. They do, yeah. So yep. Let's go through a couple quick things they announced here. Uh, the collector's edition comes with a remote controlled Nomad. But it doesn't come with the game, if I remember correctly. It's another one of those collector's <laughs> editions code. where it's like a couple hundred bucks. No, I don't think it even comes with the game at all. What? Yeah. That's weird. But you get a remote control. I, I did see it at Best Buy. Uh, there's a $60 statue they're selling 
or like like vinyl statue thing of the main character from Watch Dogs Two. No god, which just strikes me as putting the cart before the horse. That's a gonna bit. fly off to off the shelves. Uh, let's see, the voice cast was announced. Did you take a look at that at all? I didn't see that. Yeah. Who did they say any anyone? No one that it really stood out to me. Um, multiplayer beta on the way. Sign up for it mm-hmm. right now. Similar to uh, Mass Effect 3's kind of co-op stuff. Um, I don't know. I didn't actually look at the modes that yeah, are. I read. I read some of it, and basically, it sounds like it's it's a permutation of what Mass Effect 3 was. With the and uh, although they swore the multi the microtransactions would not be necessary, you'd earn. You know, but it's probably gonna be in like an Overwatch. Are you okay thing. with that? Yeah, I mean, I like the the multiplayer on three. Um, I, you know what? I played it like. Two nights. And I played I was, it a lot. I played a fair amount. Did you? I I, ma- I think I maxed out all the different classes. Wow. Um, I you know when I went back to play it again, like with all the DLC, uh, I didn't touch it because I didn't. People any- always tried to get me to play it, and I played it for a couple days, and I was like, I don't like it. It was fun. I liked it, but it was I just, don't like. But it. I liked the gameplay of Mass Effect in general. So you know, if you if you're not, I, mean, it was I know of, I did. I mean, I liked it. It was fine. I thought it could be better. I mean, it was a little... But I never looked at it like, this is a third-person shooter. Mm-hmm. I looked at it like, this is an RPG with shooting in it. And I think maybe I gave it a little bit of a pass. Mm. I think uh, it was about half and half by the time Mass Effect 2 showed up. I think 1 was more of an RPG with half-ass shooting elements. Yeah. And 2 and 3 really beefed up how, how those shooting three, elements worked. 3 felt like a third-person shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I like horde modes in general, so it was yeah. right up my alley anyway. Um, but it's certainly not the best thing I ever played that year. Uh, Do you sign up for the beta? Probably not. You're not gonna? I don't think so. I don't need to see this until it comes out. I do want to see it. Well, because like, that—that's no, that par- exactly why I want to sign up for well, the beta. That part I want to see the graphics. Well, it's because that part of it isn't important to me. Yeah. Like this thing. Then why got- did you buy this? What? You said that part of it isn't important. The graphics. The multiplayer is not important to me. Oh, multiplayer! I thought, I'm talking about the visuals. Like I uh, want to see what the game looks like. Well, I've seen running. it. I'll see it when it comes out. This thing is all story and character to me. I don't care about the multiplayer. I like the visuals, but they're not going to matter if I don't like these characters. Wow. You're setting yourself up for a fall there, though. I'll set myself up for a good game. Yeah. Which is uh, all I want them to deliver. And a good Mass Effect game is all story and characters to me. Yeah. Mainly characters, because the story kind of falls apart in Mass Effect. Yeah, it does, ultimately. Because yeah. like Mass Effect 2's overall framing device is pretty weak, but it's the best character-driven writing in any game ever, I think. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, it made me care about Ma- characters yeah. that I didn't think I would care about. Because Mass Effect 2 is basically a short story collection. Yeah. Like, every character gets their own little short story, and like you go through that, and then the framing device is the stupid human reaper thing, which is ridiculous, but like, and the suicide mission, but like, which is cool, but I think, you know, it was anticlimactic. The ending was sort of like, really? Like, you thought that was fun? The giant skeleton thing? Like, that was just sort of comical. I honestly don't like the art that much in Mass Effect. Like, a lot of the creatures and the alien designs and all that, like, I just, it never really resonated with me. And I would meet these characters, I'd be like, ew, like, (laughs) who drew this character? And then I would end up falling in love with them. Like, not literally. Well, a couple of them. But, but I, I would always... It was because of the writing. Mm-hmm. And the way they developed their characters. And, like, it was... Yeah. It's like, like I don't, it's what they're really good at. I don't think the, Solar- the design of the Solarians is particularly interesting. Yeah. Uh, but Morden is my favorite character in the whole series. Yeah. Because he's just incredibly well written. And at one point he sings Pirates of Penzance. Yeah. I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's like... It's... it's uh, it really... It really 
was all about those characters, and that's why, like, you know, I just to me, like, the ending of, of that series is the Citadel DLC, where you have a party with all your buddies, and everybody gets their little jokey moment, and everybody gets a little in-joke happening, and yeah. it's great. Like, I don't care about the pick-your-color ending so much as, like, that little send-off. Like, that's the end to me. This game, it just doesn't... I don't know what it is. It looks awesome. It's obviously graphically and technically, mm-hmm. it's stunning. It just doesn't seem to have the same charm as the other ones. Sort of, but I feel like to get the charm of Mass Effect, you have to like Absorb get into story it more. And, yeah. you know? like yeah, we need to know more. We need to. We're to see a little. Through, we need to go through the journey. Them. We need to hang out on whatever the equivalent of the Citadel is. You know, that's what I think. I think you're going to get your home base is going to be like a Normandy equivalent, and then the, the colony ship is going to be the Citadel, essentially. I can see that. Um, you know, what what is this galaxy map? Well, you know, the galaxy map is apparently more of an immersive thing. And like, there's no load times, and there's no like, just move th- move the ship and pick the thing. It's more like fly through the galaxy, and that's where you're going to go. And then by the time you have to go out of the back of the ship and drop out, and that's cool. You know, so it's less um, stop and go than the old one. But like, you know, that to me, like, that's one of the big things about Mass Effect. You go up to that galaxy map, and it zooms in, and that music starts playing, and it's yeah. like, I love it. <laughs> like that, I love like zooming in that galaxy map and having like a full quest log, and I have so much to do in the in the galaxy now. And that's what I want out of this is like this, this like, you know, that feeling of of being in the hands of a game that like knows where it's going and knows what it's telling and knows what it's saying, and. Uh, can, does EA have that in them at this point? Does Bioware have that in them now? I don't, I don't know. know. I do know one thing, though. It does look like it is still coming out in the spring, despite what yeah. what they said on their uh, earnings report last week. All, all the promotion. Mm. I think something else leaked out this week as well that pointed to spring. So. Yeah, I feel like we wouldn't have gotten this now if it wasn't still yeah. on track. Well, it was N7, November 7th. Yeah, well. <laughs> they kind of had to do something, right? I suppose. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for it. I actually kind of like the fact that it seems a little unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Well, it should uh, because we already played, galaxy. and yeah. we've also played three games, hundred plus hours worth of the mm-hmm. other stuff. So I agree. Seven hundred for some of us. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go that far. <laughs> so I do agree with I've you. I've spent a full month of my life playing Mass Effect. That's crazy. Uh, but I do agree with you. It probably is a good thing to kind of get a, a fresh perspective into the mm-hmm. franchise and look at it a little differently. And if they so. pull, I hope they do pull it off because, like, I'd love to have more Mass Effect to love. I would love to see some cities or some civilization. I don't I know if that's w- in the I think cards, there will be. but... Look, I, if you go to the Andromeda Galaxy and there's nobody there, that's a pretty boring game. Yeah. Know, so I, I feel like you're going to... I wonder if some of that is like... They don't want to show it yet. Because clearly we're going to have a bunch of the old Mass Effect races with us because they all came on that colony ship. But there's going to be some new ones. Yeah. There's going to be some different stuff. There's going to be something we've never seen before. So that's going to be, I'm sure, part of the thrust, at least of the early part of the game is discovering who rules this galaxy. Yep. All right, let's move on to our trailer of the week. Dishonored just came out an hour ago. So some of you guys may have left the stream to go play. I don't blame you one bit. As I said in an earlier episode, it's probably my most anticipated game of Q4, and I've got it right here in my hands. Instead, I'm here talking to you guys about video games when I should be playing one. Uh, So our trailer of the week is the launch trailer for Dishonored 2. Let's roll it. Look around you. You haven't been watching the dark corners of the world. Maybe living in a palace has made you soft. Your Majesty, we have an unexpected visitor. I present the lost sister of Jessamine Caldwin. Delilah Caldwin. Impossible. I'm here to relieve you of your crown. But someone yanked the rug from under your feet. You've lost your throne and your father. And I promise 
Delilah won't just give them back. No! So, what are you prepared to do about it, your Imperial Majesty? Check out early and just go. Yeah. Just start playing really this right the now. First one, <laughs> makes the first one look mundane. It really does. The first one was kind of a little bit mundane, though. Yeah, but it had, it I've had, mentioned it before that it was one of those drab, kind of dreary games. Yeah, but. some verve to it though, and then and you know, the teleporting and stuff. But like yeah. this, that one just there's everything's on a totally different level. It barely looks like the same series. It really does look different. I'm glad about that. Though. Yeah, that's why I'm so excited for it because the gameplay in the first one was amazing, but. It just it didn't get me excited to play mm-hmm. it. I think is what it was, and like I would play it for a night and I'd have a really good time. But you know, I'd come home from work and I'd stare at it and I'd be like, "Nah, like, I don't know." What but I always was. felt like I, I, the temptation in that game always was for me to to kill people to yeah. be more a little more lethal than the game seemed to want me. And I always felt like it made me it was like judging me for playing it like a murderer, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like you keep calling me an assassin and then you like give me like mm, you're gonna get a bad ending if you don't choke more people out instead of stabbing <laughs> them in the face. And I'm like. Why do I have this sword if, if I can't stab somebody in the face with it? <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the questions, actually, I did see a question about it. So we do have the PlayStation 4 Pro here, with, which also just came out. This is Matt's, by the way. He got it just today. You may have seen him earlier wiping the couple pieces of dust off the top of it, as people yeah, this, often do whenever they get new hardware. Yeah, this, this is more spit. This is this is where we've been <laughs> pat, pat, pat all over it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Tell the story about the uh, power button on the front there. You yeah, thought it was like uh, a... There's a the, t- the power symbol is this tiny, Here, tiny little over. thing there. I guess you got to move it back, actually, for him to see it. Yeah, It's this tiny, tiny little thing, and at least three times today I've tried to wipe it off because I thought it was like a speck of du- dust <laughs> or something. power icon. And there's the same thing over here with the eject button. Um, it's pretty cool. I, I have not, uh, I've not tried to replace... I've not replaced the hard drive yet. I just put, it, put in Robinson and played it to get... To see if it was any different, which I think maybe it was, because I th- it's like it looks sharper. But I think I said to you maybe before the show. I don't remember if I said it on the show, but it's like when you go to the eye doctor and they do things like this one or this one, this yeah, one yeah. or this one, and I'm like <laughs> this one. I think I'm not. I might be making that up in my head. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if Robinson's Pro Mode is active yet, or if it was shipped on the disc. Who knows? But like, yeah, it's nice. I was setting it up. My girlfriend came in. She's like, "That's it." I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "It's just like it's a PS4 with another story on it," <laughs> which is true. That's yeah, it's just, much it's just what a, it is. It's a triple layer cake. Yeah. That's all it is. It's really heavy. It's yeah, the one it thing is very I would heavy. say. Like it weighs at least twice. It's also place, very the hot. PlayStation Four. It gets really hot. Um, I unpl- It was warm, very warm when I unplugged it. I played Robinson for like two hours, and I put it in a bag, and I took it over here. And when I took it out to put it on here, it was still warm. 
it was still hot. So power, HDMI, um, camera, PlayStation camera, digital audio, uh, something else, <laughs> Ethernet. What is the something else? I don't know. Uh, it might be just USB. Oh, okay. And then that's the uh, hard drive in there. I'm not going to be able to get this from this angle, am I? Don't there break it. Yeah, Here's what I think is really cool. The feet oh, the, the, on the back. I don't know. If, let me see if I can get the angle right there. The feet are the PlayStation Yeah, the, the triangle. Icons. They're like the little rubber feet that, they, that the it sits on. Triangle X. Triangle X square. Yeah. There you can see it there. It's even got the PlayStation logo on the bottom, not just on the top. It's a nice kit of hardware, though. I'm pretty impressed with it, and it is definitely heavy. Yep. Is this designed to sit that way? I guess it is. Yeah, I mean, there's a vertical stand you can buy separately, of course, because why would you get that for free? Yeah. And then it's crazy, like, down in these crevices, it actually has, like, the Blu-ray, like, yeah, logo. like, the HDMI logo and the Blu-ray. Can and you flip to the one Dolby. shot there? Dolby and DTS. trying to get it at the angle so you can see it, but it's weird how they stuck them in those cracks in there. It's pretty crazy. So you haven't had much time with it yet? Not really. Just a couple hours of uh, Robinson, and you know the update. You know, you load it up, you got to yeah. update it. Uh, so I'll probably swap the hard drive when I get back home and uh, do the whole reinstall the OS thing with that. What are you gonna do with the hard drive that's in there? I don't know. Maybe you can sell it to me. It's a terabyte, right? One terabyte. Yeah. I'll take it. All right. There you go. A deal is made on Game Face, just like that. I'll hang out and, and see, make sure it works first. But no, no, no. Bring, bring it next week or whatever. Yeah. But I, I only have a 500 gig in my PlayStation 4, although mm, I'm going to yeah. get one of these hopefully for Christmas. This is my what I'm asking for for Christmas from the wife. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, I think she may be tired of buying me video game stuff. But then again, she's been doing it for like 15 years. So uh, Gus Bricker, did Sony give you one? Nope. We are not on, I've talked about this on the show before, for whatever reason, we are not on Sony's uh, nope. shipping list. So everything we get from Sony, we pay for ourselves, which is good when we're going to review stuff, I think. So. Mm -hmm. Dyson XP asks if you could only play one, Mass Effect Andromeda or Horizon Zero Dawn. No, it's Horizon for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Although yeah. it looks like Mass Effect is pretty different, too, Mass though. Mass Effect I mean, is pretty different, but Horizon, I mean, Horizon's just pushing some buttons. I'm going to reserve the right to change that as I see more of Mass Effect. Mm -hmm. Because we've only seen, like, three minutes of Mass Effect. And we've seen an hour or two mm -hmm. of Horizon. But uh, Mass Effect looks real pretty from, like, an IQ perspective, but it hadn't shown me anything as cool as Horizon Zero Yeah, yeah. Gone. It's going to take a lot to get me off that Horizon hype train, let me tell you. Uh, oh, wow, there's a ton of questions in here now. Um, Swanson. What's up, Swanson? Uh, I picked up my PlayStation VR this morning. What three games should I buy after this show? Um, I still really like Until <coughs> Thumper, I Rez. I still really like Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. Really? Yeah. I would say Thumper, Rez, and Robinson. I would say... Thumper or Res, uh, if you're only going to get three. Those two are too similar for me. Yeah. Um, and frankly, if you've already played Res, look, Res is awesome in VR, but Thumper's just a little different. Yeah. You know? Like, I would say Thumper... 
I would get Thumper until Dawn and either Robinson or Eve Valkyrie. Yeah. That's it, pretty much the top five right there mm-hmm. we just gave you. Only if you're in somewhere where Robinson is forty dollars or less, though. I w- don't don't buy a sixty dollar. Yeah, if you're in Europe, Robinson. don't take our advice. Don't buy it at sixty bucks. Don't thirty. I mean, even forty bucks is pushing it. Yeah, I mean, thirty bucks with Amazon Prime was the right price. I think. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe a little high, but like I was willing to jump in just to have something to do with my new headset kind yeah. of thing. You know. Um, here's one from Nemec. Uh, do you think Nintendo will rejoin E3 with the Switch out on the market? No. I think they will. I don't. I really don't think they will. I think when you unveil a piece of hardware with a trailer, with a live-action trailer, I think you've pretty much just left all conventional video game marketing behind. Mm, I think it just means they didn't have anything to show. I don't agree with that at all, but... Oh. I mean, obviously oh, they you, have you know to show. a launch lineup for the Switch we don't know about? Well, they Go showed a Mario game for like three seconds. I mean, obviously there's more of that that they can show. Maybe. They won't even admit that the Skyrim thing is real. They could have showed us more of Zelda than just the overworld they've shown us for a million times. Dude, can you believe we've still not seen Zelda? I mean, You mean like the character Zelda? Like the game Zelda. Like all we've seen is the overworld. The same crap over and over and over again. We've never seen a dungeon. Not a clip of a dungeon. What if there are no dungeons? There are dungeons. There's no way in hell they're going to make you run around that overworld for 60 hours. There's no way in hell they're going to make you sail around that ocean for five hours looking for (laughs) Triforce pieces. There's no way in hell they're going to make you run around the game game as a wolf for half the game. (laughs) There's no way in hell they're going to make you swing that stupid remote all over to use sword all over. They're going to do something. But there are dungeons. Probably. I'll bet you whatever you want to bet that there are dungeons. I mean, there probably are, but it's just like, you know... (laughs) What if, you know, this, I'll bet you this, that there are dungeons... Well, in they're the focusing world. much harder on the open world idea because that's the new part. Yeah. I, but we've seen the same crap over and over again. Like, I'm, oh, I'm interested in the fact that, you know, taking what you said more literally, we haven't seen Zelda herself. Yeah. We have not seen any other characters You're right. in this no game. No Ganon, no anything. I'm starting to get excited for that game, by the way. Uh, let's see. So Matt says yes, I say no on Nintendo rejoining E3. We'll see what happens. I t- still don't fully rule out a uh, delay till September big blowout at E3. So we'll see. On January 12th, is it? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of have to. Uh, Eric Estrada, 12. Shane, whose idea was it to have puns and one-liners at the end of the reviews back at GT? Also, you forgot Agents of Mayhem is from Deep Silver. Touche. Mm. Um I pretty much set up everything at GT. So, and for the first... Yeah, you read the, the, the lower thirds on this show and you don't, don't know where the puns came from? Really? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Three guesses. Yeah. Um, so, for the first five, four years uh, at GT, I was the reviews editor. So, I kind of... I wanted to be the reviews editor first to kind of lay down the template of how everything would happen going forward. So, and then I eventually passed it off to... Ryan Stevens, and he was a reviews editor for the last few years before everything kind of fell apart at GT. Um, and look, it wasn't rigid or anything like that. Like, people didn't have to add a pun at the end, but I think people had fun with it. And uh, another thing that I kind of started doing when I wrote reviews was, like, the intro paragraph was always wrapped up with a question. And uh, I only did that myself, like, when I was writing my own reviews at GT. And then my editorial staff just started doing it, like, all on their own. 
And still, if you read like the reviews at Easy Allies, particularly the ones that Bloodworth writes, uh, his intro always finishes with a question. So, <laughs> kind of cool. Um, Justin Horman, what's the game from your childhood you go back to play a little bit every now and then the most? Mm. That's a good question. I was just playing... Here's something really cool, actually. So... Infinite Warfare zombie mode. When you die in the zombies mode, you get sent to this arcade. And in the arcade is pretty much every Atari 2600 game ever. Hmm. So there are arcade cabinets that you walk up to, mm. and then you can play. And so last night I played like Barnstormer and River Raid. River Raid's a great game, by the way. Like, that's probably the best ever Atari 2600 game, in my opinion. Um, but other than that, like, I just think... I really like um, Atlantis. Yeah, it was good, too. Yeah, it was actually really good. You're right, that was a really good game. But, uh, I don't know, arcade games, probably? Mm-hmm. Just old Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, stuff like that? Yeah, I go back to... Uh, there's two main ones I think I go back to the most, and that one would be the arcade game Rolling Thunder, huh? uh, which is kind of a Shinobi game. I remember when Shinobi first came out, I was like, what's this Rolling Thunder ripoff? <laughs> like, I was, Rolling Thunder was a Namco game. Uh, I ended up liking Shinobi a lot, too, because Shinobi's one of my favorites of all time. But Rolling Thunder, and then uh, every once in a while, because I, pl- I had an Apple IIe, every once in a while I go, like, there's a site where you can go to, like, it's, like, Apple II GS stuff, and, like, you can, like, load up a, a emulator of it, and they have, like, almost every game. Every- I will load up a game called PowerBots uh, that no one has ever heard of. Actually, we have enough European viewers that they might know it. It was, yeah. I think it was more popular there. But it's power- a game called PowerBots, and I will play through that again. Uh, just for old times' sake, because what, for whatever reason, that was one of the games I loved, uh, and it has never been released again in any form. So, if you go find that Apple II GS site and play Power Boss, that's one of the games I like the most. To yeah, there's a to. there are a lot of arcade games. That, for me, just hearing them, like Donkey Kong, the sound effect of Mario running, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. like all that stuff, like it takes me right back to being a kid. And very specific memories of very specific arcades that I was hanging around mm-hmm. in. Like, I, there's one thing that I, I it's <clears throat> it's kind of the reverse of that. But um, uh, have you ever been to the Fox the Fox Hills Mall? Yes, I have down, been there down down, down <laughs> yeah. Sepulveda. Uh-huh. Okay, so you know you come you come uh, you go down down and you kind of park in the upper level, like the upper level. Yeah, it's yeah. near like where you walk in near the Cinnabon. Yeah. Okay, when you walk in right to the right up to the automatic doors in the parking lot, right up as you're about to enter. What, for whatever reason, it's the mix of the the air conditioning exhaust plus the certain location of the food court or whatever. It smells exactly like an arcade from <laughs> 1983. <great. laughs> and like I walk in that door every time I go there uh, just to smell it, yeah. just to remember. And like it's funny because like when I smell that and think about that in my head, my, like the memory my ha- head conjures up always begins with dunner like the the, the, the sound of jumping sound. over the barrel. Yeah, um, it's funny how they, that weird. And it's funny how you can tell a fake mix of arcade sounds versus what it actually sounded oh, like. Oh yeah, for sure. Back in the day, it's a very specific cacophony. Yep. Uh, Sublevel twenty eight says you finally play Owlboy. I'm assuming you're asking me. I have not played it, but obviously Matt did. He talked about it in last week's show. Have you played more of it? Yeah, a little bit. Still feel the still, same about it. Still good. I mean, again, it's like, I, like you know, I mean, part of the problem with games like that is it just makes me sit there and miss Metroid and Castlevania. But at least we have it. Um, 
Vinaraba, just putting this out there for Shane. Oh, the Urban Dictionary for housed. Mm -hmm. Derived from schooled or schoolhouse. Schoolhoused, school equals housed. Hmm. Like I schooled you, right. I housed you. I think I like my def my uh, idea better. I like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Definition. <laughs> you got housed. He's got a house dropped on your ass. <laughs> it's, a, it's a much more suburban explanation, I think. <laughs> I just think the mental image of the witch's feet out, yeah. like sticking out from the side of the house. It feels like something that would have been like part of like a like a like a Nike ad from the eighties or something. Yeah. You know, like like, <laughs> like if someone got horribly dunked on and just a house drops on them kind of thing. Yeah. I uh, said, don't leave that thing with Shane. It'll get stolen. <laughs> I don't leave anything here. That's the crazy part is that, like, every time we shoot this show, these guys leave, and I have to pack all this stuff up and take it home with me because I just don't yep. trust leaving, like, anything here anymore. Mm -hmm. When do you? How far before the show do you get here to set everything up? A couple hours. Not, sometimes I don't. It's a crazy mad scramble trying mm -hmm. to get everything set up. Today I got here a couple hours early, but then these jerks showed up late, so... I still can't believe we pulled off that intro, Sam. <laughs> but we did it. We nailed it. Uh, let's see. Nemec asks, does the new DualShock 4 feel any better? It feels about the same. It's smoother, I think, on the sides. Um, I do notice the light shining in my eye. <laughs> like, like, you know, because you can see the light through the top of the oh, thing right, now. Right, right. Um, it really I shines in your eye? I notice it. Wow. I'm, I'm sensitive to like light from from you know out of my eye line. Basically, most people probably won't notice it. Um, otherwise, it's, it's pretty much this feels the same. Um, I kind of I haven't used it in a game that tracks it in like the VR thing. I wonder if it tracks better now that it has the light on the top, so it kind of has a better idea if I'm holding it wrong. Yeah. You know, because I I did notice that on some of the VR games that like track the controller, like sometimes it would lose the controller because I hold it wrong or I hold it down, and I guess the light gets, they can't see the light on the edge, so light on the top might help with that. Right. Because I guess I'm one of the people that holds it weird. I think most people hold controllers like that yeah. if they're relaxed or whatever. But Robinson doesn't do that, so I have no frame of reference yet. But it feels fine. Uh, let's see one last question. Uh, from Zero Kaiser, does the PS4 Pro affect remote play? Should work the same, right? I would think. Yeah. I, bear, I pretty much never use it, so. Yeah, I've used remote play like twice. But uh, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. I, I actually don't know if it supports it, and I assume it does. It should. Yeah. It should. So I mean, it runs it uses the same OS. It should be the same thing. You would think. But uh, Sony has seems to have finally stepped away from the Vita, judging by the free games for PS Plus this month. Yeah. There is no Vita one. Yeah. So. Oh, wait, there's not a Vita one at all? I don't think there's any Vita games. Really? Yeah. They finally cut it Correct off. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I think there was no Vita. It was just PS3 and PS4. Well, I think... Oh, really? Because what I was about to say is that sometimes like they separate the PS3 and Vita from the PS4. Like They'll put out a trailer just for the PS4, mm -hmm. and you may think that there aren't any Vita and PS3, but there actually are. Well, no, I always look. Oh, okay. I didn't see any Vita. I might be wrong. I don't know. Uh, Nolan Elric says it supports wireless N, which is faster, so it might be better. Hmm. Yep. All right, so that's going to do it for Game Face episode 67. Thanks for sticking around with us on the stream and asking some great questions. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking about Dishonored 2 next week. Wish we could have talked about it today. 
Uh, but you know, with Bethesda's new review policy, It'd be an hour and a half into. Well, maybe I couldn't because I'm using a plain PC. That's right. That's <laughs> we'll, a good point. When, I, when I get home, we'll see if this is a, if this is going to work or not. Yep. So yeah, we'll definitely be talking about it next week on the show. Uh, obviously, Matt, you'll probably have a lot more uh, experience with your PlayStation yeah. 4 Pro. Well, I'm basically going to take it home, swap swap the uh, the hard drive out, and start the transfer from the, my old PS4, and I'll probably try to play Dishonored while that's going on, because apparently it takes a while. Yeah, and yeah, what if you want to get your report on that a if you spent... A lot of a work just to save PT. Yep. That is... That's really what it comes down <laughs> Pretty to. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm probably going to delete almost everything on that hard drive except PT. Yeah. And just transfer it all I don't blame you. There's really no reason... I mean, I have my hard drive full yeah. of stuff that I haven't touched in, like, forever, so... Yeah, same. It's probably good for me to do a little purging And, like, well. it's just, you know... It's, I have a very fast connection. It's probably faster to download the things again rather yeah. than to transfer them through, through the cable. Because I know on GAF, people were saying, like, it was taking hours and hours. So... It took me... I mean, like, it's better than not being It took able to me, like, it. eight hours to install Robinson the Journey yesterday. Is it that big? I thought it was it's like six not. gigs. It's, like, six gigs. And I finally got <laughs> so sick of it that I just shut down my PlayStation mm. 4 and turned it back on, and it went... Drip. Oh, yeah. The other thing you can do... PlayStation Network is such garbage. It, it's, I don't have much problem with it, but if you do run into a problem with that, um, one of the things I found is uh, pause the download, go to the option, the settings of the system, do the network test, which will like reconnect, you know, do the re, like disconnect and reconnect you, and then go and resume it, and a lot of times it, you, get, you get connected to a better download server. So that's crazy. So... It's not like we're not. It's not like we're paying for it or anything. No, nothing like that. <laughs> I mean, at least yeah, you couldn't complain on the PS3 because it's like, well, it's free. It's free. Want, yeah. It changes a little bit when you're paying yeah. the money. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll hear from you next week. So everybody have an excellent night, an excellent weekend. We'll see you next Thursday. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>